Three, two, one. <laughs> that was from uh, uh, the Wonder Woman soundtrack, commonly featured in the Justice League <laughs> film. That was a that was my rendition. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There's, there's a bit. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm Adam from Your Movie Sex. This is Sardonicast. I'm you just go slow from Blue Maker. And I'm Zack Snyder. I mean, uh, Alex from Hitchie. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. We saw it. Do you want to talk about the Snyder Cut? I guess we, I guess we to. gotta. <laughs> That's the only reason I watched it. Okay. I, I want you guys to talk more about it. I'm saving my opinion for, you know, the future. What? But I'll, I'll, still, I'll still discuss this, of course. But, like, I'm making Oh, you, fu- you just don't want to say whether or not you liked it. No, I, I'm, like, making a long review, so I don't want to, like, oh, reveal too you can, much. Okay, you, know? you, can say, you can save a little bit. Yeah, care. but it's yeah. Of course, I'll like if you say something, I'll be like, of course, I feel that way. I'll confirm or deny. Okay. <laughs> I obviously, yeah, of course, I want to have a conversation. All right, it. then keep your secrets. Um. <laughs> okay, so Alex, what did you think of the of the film? Yeah, what did you think? I I find this movie to be utterly fascinating. This the whole yeah. story behind it is interesting in and of itself. So it is confusing and difficult to not get lost in what is ultimately being boiled down into this kind of comparison game between this original movie so my gut feeling right now is that I, I kind of like it but it is really kind of pretentious and <laughs> has a lot of <laughs> Zack Snyderisms that we're all very used to but there's no denying that it is so superior to the to the original cut the theatrical cut Mm-hmm. that I found much more value in it and the characters have much more room to breathe. It was the, the action in particular I found to be so much better. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the top level speaking, I did, I was surprised by how I was able to sit through the full four hours in one go and enjoy, enjoy the Snyderisms uh, for what they are. And th- there is just something unique about this project to me because it's almost not, a movie it's kind of a mini series squished into a movie it's just utterly unique and fascinating to me so on those grounds i do kind of like that we that we got it at least but yeah i'm fascinated what you guys think because because you of course didn't see the original cut and you still haven't right exactly i was i was the only person on the planet that got the pure experience right everybody else (laughs) that you you didn't watch the same movie as me you watched an improvement off of a worse movie i just watched a movie right it changes the conversation so much it's yeah that's that's the entire conversation of what's Mm -hmm. happening so i i i was like uh from charlie kaufman's novel i saw like a movie that nobody else did it's like it's like ant kind (laughs) yeah like nobody else could possibly see the same movie that i did so um yeah, it wasn't great. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, I I can imagine if I was, like, really happy with this, even after, like, a worse thing. I don't know if I would still, like, call it good. But it makes me, it makes yeah. me intrigued, and it makes me fascinated to, to check out the, the weed and cut. But I just want to mention also that, like, I find it kind of ridiculous and stupid that Warner Brothers and everybody along with Warner Brothers gets to pass the blame off on to Joss Whedon because his cut wasn't what made it into the original movie anyway because it used it was supposed to be like two hours and a half or something and then Warner Brothers was like trim it down for theaters and that's why it's exactly two hours so it's not like it was his cut anyway like a lot of the reason why it was bad could also be just because of Warner Brothers but now they get to pretend like oh yeah it was just this 
you know this guy. He's been me too, right? Like, let's it's, it's, let's blame this guy, right? So, like, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And then even with Snyder's cut, he didn't even get the final cut. He he was supposed to have Green Lantern at the end, and they made him change the yeah, end scene, exactly. and he almost quit over it. So it's not even the Snyder cut. Like, they're not holding to their it's principles. Martian Man. Well, I don't know if we're going to spoil it. <laughs> yeah. Spoilers for Snyder cut. Yeah. Uh, spoilers. There's a scene at the end with Ben Affleck. Yeah, and uh, it's Martian Manhunter. <laughs> well, th- that I thought that the whole... epilogue is is the worst part. Yeah, well, I thought everything with Martian Manhunter was ridiculous. That was the most bloated part. Was that scene? Yeah, <laughs> I laughed out loud when that reveal of like Martha turning into him. That yeah, came what out the of hell was that? Like, it was so <laughs> bizarre. bizarre. Like it wasn't even no necessary. Sense. It seems like they just added that in in like post production, you know. Like, what would be really cool right here? Oh, she becomes Martian Manhunter, like, CGI. Like, it didn't even make any sense. Yeah, it's it's, it's such a uh, result of just rushing to try and be Marvel. And it's like three Avengers movies in one, basically. It's trying to do everything that was spread out over years with these Marvel movies, but in yeah. one bloated four-hour mess. It's trying to establish, like, three or four new characters. It's adding in new ones, like you said, into this new cut. It's so so bloated and messy, and it's establishing, like, incredibly important characters like Flash, Cyborg, the villain of the movie, and then the even greater, like, Thanos-equivalent villain. There's so much going on, and it does suffer because of it, and you can't have the kind of fun you know like avengers moments because you just got so much extra stuff to yeah. set up and explain and over explain it's it the implication is that this is the culmination of events but the events are just in yeah, this yeah. movie and so it's like oh <laughs> okay they want to try and do the whole avengers if it, in affinity war as derek savage would say uh end game shit right they have the thanos version mm-hmm. dc you know Mm-hmm. But like you look at you look at the release dates of the movies that are in this universe, Man of Steel 2013 that started it all, Batman v Superman 2016. So Su- Batman gets introduced in the Batman v Superman movie, doesn't have its own Batman movie. Suicide Squad mm-hmm. same year 2016, and, and then that's not is that a part of the mo- universe still? I don't know. I have no idea. Yes, because uh, that's getting I remade. Don't know but anymore. I guess that's it a is. new universe. Okay. Wonder Woman the next year, 2017, and then Justice League the same year, 2017. That's it. That's literally it. Like, Aquaman had a movie after Justice League, <laughs> right? For yeah. some reason. They wanted to pump out Justice League as quickly as possible, either A, because Infinity War was like a hyped up thing at this around the same time. When did that come out? I don't know. It was around the same time, right? So I think either they were trying to like piggyback off the, su- the success, or Warner Brothers as a studio assumed that everybody would be done with superhero movies after Avengers Endgame or something. They assumed, like, nobody's going to keep watching superhero movies, like, after this point, right? It seemed like they were trying to, like, quickly capitalize on something because they were afraid that they wouldn't be able to in, like, five years from now. Because that's all they would have needed if they wanted to, like, actually develop the universe and have it realistically get up to that point. It's just another five years or something, right? It's so spineless, Mm -hmm. too, considering, like, the easily could have made a batman movie and oh, yeah. been huge popular like it, it, it there's no excuse for that it was just this disgusting just mess of corporate mm-hmm. decisions all coming together into this and I, th- there is kind of a redemption story behind it because the, the, the sad way snyder was kind of ripped off the project and him being able to at least have something put back together that does reflect his vision more because i mean 
honestly, out of the three movies he's done in this universe, I think this is the best one. It's the most tonally consistent. It has probably the best moments. It's the only one I've seen. (laughs) Again, we're talking about improvements, but... Yeah, yeah, that's it. I, I mean, you're not wrong. I think it is... It has so many of the problems Snyder has had for so long with, I think, the dialogue's very weak. The Some of the effects work is kind of bizarre. The dialogue's fucking terrible. Yeah. Yeah, and I just... <laughs> I, I can't get on with Gal Gadot. Um, like, the yeah. acting is, is so... It's so distracting to me. I, I hate characters in this. Like, I, yeah. I don't know how much I hate Marvel characters. Like, there are some that are kind of annoying. But this movie, I actively hate. Like, The Flash, I cannot stand The Flash and how, how he is in this movie. Oh, you don't I like him hate, in this version. I hate <laughs> yeah, he's the worse comedy. than the other one. Okay, yeah. Like, I, I, don't, I have he's no so frame worse. of reference for, for how much worse he can get in Justice League. But Henry Cavill is no CGI lip in this, at least from what I could see. The, the reshoots are very noticeable, mm-hmm. very distracting in the other one. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Ben Affleck just looks completely different That's in different fun. points of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it sounds I mean, so much in the fun. And here he looks different too. I want to watch like that skinnier. one. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you should. It's, it's, it sounds so. Much it's fun. so bizarre the the whole thing. How this it's came. It's a out. relic. Yeah, it's the mother box of movies. <laughs> it's no Marvel. Like Marvel is the big no. game in town, and they just can't compete. I think what Zack Snyder came up with is. Just, you know, he's, it's not like some kind of auteur project. These are like big budget superhero movies. I thought people wanted to see something more like Marvel, <laughs> which is why they make a lot of money. I'm totally for a director's creativity on a project, but Zack Snyder has his name on like most of the films in this universe, or at least half of them up until yeah, the point of Justice exactly. League, right? And so it's like, if it's tonally inconsistent even with the movies that he's directed what's the fucking point of having them all the same story right like you you can i guess make Mm -hmm. an argument like oh yeah every director wants to do their own film a different way it's like okay that's that's fine but it's the same director and the tone's completely different than the other movies like if if he got his way if let's say Let's say the the uh, disaster uh, didn't happen and he was still on the project uh, with Warner Brothers uh, and everything was hunky-dory and he was just able to do his thing. It still wouldn't be black and white. It wouldn't be four by three. Like, these are things that would not happen. It wouldn't be no. four hours. I guess this one's not black and white either. That was an idea he kind of teased, but it wouldn't be four hours and it wouldn't be four by three. Like, mm-hmm. that's for sure. The only reason it's four hours is because it's streaming content and you don't have to fill up as many theater blocks, I think. I don't know. It's just, just the whole concept behind it seems like iffy, <laughs> you know? It seems mm-hmm. like it seems gimmicky and almost like a scam because we didn't really get the Snyder cut <laughs> like a scam. It does because they they I mean, kind of is. They made it him change kinda, the yeah, last scene. <laughs> What's the point? Mm-hmm. Okay, one change. What's the difference between that and two changes? And the uh, society line. Uh, I wanted to mention the big one of the big additions for me was Jared Leto's uh, Joker mm-hmm. that yeah. was added in, like mm-hmm. in the apocalypse section. And I, I wanted to know what you guys saw of that. I thought it was really funny, like the the whole. Oh I yeah, th- it wasn't trying to be funny. I don't think I so. Found it's the whole cringe to be embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. very cringe. Yeah. <laughs> that was all clearly reshoots. Like, and Mira's oh, yeah. there. I'm like, why the fuck is Mira there? Like the CGI it was and part of his vision the whole like, time, oh, my though. God. That was really funny. Like the dialogue, 
They got him to yeah, say wait, we live in a going. society, but they didn't put yeah. him in, in the movie. It's just in the trailer. Yeah. They tried to do meme marketing. Yeah, but it's like, why is he saying it? Like, it, it doesn't just, it doesn't make sense. But we do live in a society, so. So that was direct meme marketing then. Like, it yeah. was riding a meme. Is it fan service if ludicrous. it's used to mock the film? Because that's why the meme exists, is to, like, mock people who pretend to be Joker, or, like, to mock the character, right? Like, it's not, like, a positive Joker meme. It's literally just, like, this is dumb. It's, like, anti-humor, the we live in a society thing. So for a film that's unironically trying to make a serious movie out of it, to use that in their marketing <laughs> shows how out of touch they are. Really. <laughs> like, come on. I'm just curious how that call went with, like, Jared Leto. He's just fine with it, I guess. Just He's just happy line. to continue doing his J- Jared Letter Joker nonsense for one more film, <laughs> you know? Because they changed his look again, didn't they? He's like I, Jesus I don't remember now. the damage being on there. Yeah. He's got a bunch of lipstick smeared on his face. There's no scars. Doesn't look intimidating. Yeah. Like they put the makeup I on mean, he in never like did. five seconds. <laughs> Well, he they never kind of did. cheat coded this DC universe by implying that loads of the famous DC stories that everyone loves have happened in the universe, or they're going to happen. Because the Flash time travel stuff is kind of setting up one of my favorite like DC stories, the Flashpoint Paradox, which is like all time travel and Elseworld stuff, which is mm. uh, like a fun story when it's told properly and you have the setup and of like the original characters to contrast against. Mm-hmm. In, in this universe, you've had a kind of dour superman who then is killed and then he comes back and he's like the the one you imagine he would be i feel like there needed to be like a man of steel 2 where they established who he was a bit more as a hero or something it's just all so rushed and no one's given Mm -hmm. a chance to be developed like batman 2 everyone was ragging on in like uh, the the second movie where he was killing people and the the snyder fans have their defenses and stuff for it but it's all implied in ways that i I don't find to be satisfying like on any level really it's all it's all like back end. You've got to fill in the blanks just based on your prior knowledge of the of the work. I just, it's just inherently unsatisfying. But I don't have any. <laughs> I don't have prior knowledge. Yeah, the films are very spaced out too. It isn't like mm-hmm. Marvel where they come out basically. There's sometimes there's two a year or yearly. Uh, mm-hmm. Like you said, Man of Steel is 2013, and we're 2021 now, and you're finally getting a Justice League movie that actually is like worth something. Like the, the Zack Snyder's vision is close to it as you're going to get. Uh, it, it's too spaced out to, for anyone to even remember. It really shows how much they uh, messed up, though. Because mm-hmm. I mean, like beforehand, DC they were the superheroes. You know, Marvel's always had Spider Man, but Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman. Like, Justice League potentially could have been huge if they'd, you know, read the tea leaves a little bit better, but... Mm-hmm. Marvel brought everyone together. They're a team. Mm-hmm. You can't mm-hmm. stop them. Yeah. I, uh, Zack Snyder, I think, released a lot of the plans he had for, like, this universe, which is probably not going to happen now. You know, like, Amy Adams and Superman have a kid, and that kid becomes, like, Batman. Yeah. Or, like, I don't know. <laughs> Like, you know, like, it's whatever. <laughs> it's like that kind of stuff. Yeah, the plan sounded really And bad. then goes back in time and then kills his dad. <laughs> yeah, like, he had, like, a whole thing planned out, but it's not going to happen. Okay. Yeah, because that's the current, like, drama, isn't it? There are people signing petitions and everything to they want an restore air cut. the Snyderverse. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the air cut. Oh, yeah, that's not going to happen. Cut. That's funny. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but it's, it's ridiculous. It, we really yeah. want to see his creative vision here. 
that movie is beyond repair. You cannot repair or, like that movie's a piece of shit. <laughs> you can't, there's yeah. no way. I mean, you can make that good. if it meant like half an hour more cringe Joker, I would agree. I would sign that petition because I want to <laughs> see that. That was like the only entertaining part of the movie. True, actually, because didn't they shoot like hours worth of Joker stuff? Yeah, Jared Leto got pissed or something. Yeah, there was like a whole movie worth of Joker stuff for that. Joker 2? And then they were like, this is unusable. The the scene in this movie was like really poorly shot. Like lots of handheld close up. Uh, He was like out of focus when he was like holding up the car. It felt very restricted. Uh, He had like a SWAT vest on. His his laugh, I wasn't a fan of his laugh. I thought it was like, yeah. Yeah, basically, like that's better. That was, (laughs) I don't know. The whole, (laughs) it's like that. It was like a whining duck. (laughs) <laughs> it's like the my glasses kid in the simpsons oh jeez <laughs> so adam are you telling me you weren't a fan of the anti-life equation what are you talking about yeah uh no they said mother stupid. box a lot too i think that the um <laughs> i think that the whole plot is just a fucking mess i think it's like it's so stupid how nothing makes any sense and it just contradicts itself and it's like you've had so many years to think about this and you have the benefit of hindsight too right like you get to fix everything in a way that like no other other director has because you understand like what's stupid and what doesn't work i don't know exactly what total was new for this film and what wasn't a lot of the motivation for the villain seems to be dark side forgot that earth was the planet that he left these boxes on even though they were already warping to the boxes to get them like, they they discover after the fact, they're like, it's stupid. It's honestly stupid. And I actually, they, I got to, Google does these, like, recommended articles or whatever on the homepage for me. And I got one this, either this morning or yesterday, uh, where, where Zack Snyder reveals why Darkseid forgot where the anti-life equation was in Justice League. And his answer, uh, what was it? quote, he almost died when he returned to Apocalypse. He was in a fight for power, and much time passed before he was in a position of power again. And by then, all who had been with him had been slayed. So, <laughs> so he forgot. He didn't remember. <laughs> yeah, he forgot. He's, he was, like, kind of traumatized. So. <laughs> yeah, he just forgot where yeah. it was. Everybody else that was there, like, died of old age or something at some point. <laughs> and nobody bothered to, like, write this down. And it's so important, the implication when they when they reveal, like, oh, this is the same planet where that flashback was. Like, obviously, it's important. Otherwise, that wouldn't mean anything. Well, yeah, the, the whole mother box thing, it's, it's, it's basically the equivalent of the, the, what, the Infinity Stones, effectively. The Transformers you compare boxes. the way they were. It's the Yeah, X it's like the MacGuffin thing. <laughs> the Deus Ex Machina. But they, they were never set up in any of the other movies. You would have thought they would have been established somewhere in the universe beforehand but we're just kind of thrown into it i mean neither was cyborg or flash (laughs) a lot of the characters this is the first time you see him apparently the mother box is used to make him i don't know if that was in the other cut i don't think it was what cyborg being made by the mother box like that's part of the story oh yeah i forgot I don't understand why they had to have the team coming together in the movie. I mean, there are plenty of Justice League movies where, like, the team's already established and they're just having antics. I feel like that would have been a much more intelligent way to approach it. If they did want to jump into the deep end, you could have actually done something with that. Yeah, that's kind of what they do anyway. Yeah, sort you know, of. It all, all the setup and everything just felt more rushed than it usually does 
with like these kinds of cinematic universe things. I would have liked that better. Yeah. But um, Adam, you said uh, this was this doesn't make sense, but this is the version that makes sense. Like it makes much more sense than the original one. Uh, yeah, does it? Cyborg in the original is bizarre. The Flash is bizarre and doesn't get any time. There's so much stuff that that is different. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I, again, I don't know. I think I think it's a weird conversation when it's like, yeah, this doesn't make sense, but it could have been even less make sense. It's like, yeah, it's an improvement off of like a, yeah. a turd, I guess, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I haven't seen right, it. That's what I mean. That's like the only thing I would say about it. It's an improvement and it makes Isn't more sense. Isn't that weird like- though? <laughs> How much of an effect that has on people? This is in the top 250 yeah. on IMDb. If this was released on its own without the original Justice League, would it be there? I'm not sure it would be. I think that this kind of thing happens all the time. It's really I think in the that, top I think that a lot of people had like... A, yes, it is on the top 250 on IMDb. Ratings were think, extremely high for it, yes. I think that there's a yes. lot of people that might have like thought that M. Night's uh, split was, like, a lot better than they would have otherwise if he hadn't released a bunch of crap <laughs> before it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I, th- I think that this is, like, a real psychological effect where people make comparisons and it's, like, because the expectations are so low and because, you know, like, are you more impressed when, if someone can, like, roll a joint with two arms or one? Right? <laughs> <laughs> 10 out of 10. I don't know what happened there with the ratings. It's very bizarre how high yeah, they are. Yeah, it's an 8.3 currently from 200,000 plus people. It was much higher before that. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah. It was like right under Akira Kurosawa's ran. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> yeah, it, that's ridiculous. Yeah, this is why like these like IMDb's top 250 is just becoming less and less relevant. <laughs> On every review site, though, yeah, true, the ratings true. were like that. They were extremely high. For really no reason. Because it was Yeah, what is the reason? Is it because it's superheroes? The the movie was like four hours long and it just came out. Yeah. I mean, people were rating it like before they saw it too. Yeah, that too. Not that you can't just watch the movie and... (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, to have like that amount of consensus that it's like in the top 250 like immediately. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I'm I'm a little trepidatious. (laughs) They want it to be good too. Remember that this this isn't just a movie to a lot of DC fans. This is like a validation. This is like uh-huh. we we yeah. get to be accepted. This is like the gay rights movement, but for DC fans. This is like <laughs> this is this is this is like when you finally get the Pride Parade and you're like, man, it really is okay to be a DC fan. <laughs> this is what it is, right? Yeah. So, but it's a comic book movie. It's exactly, they they finally get to be yeah. comfortable with their identity. It's much more than a film. There's another thing I wanted to shit on. Martian Manhunter, definitely. Like, that was silly. <laughs> Jared Leto, like, all that stuff was awful. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't know. There's a lot. There anything else? There's like, a lot. Yeah, yeah, but, like, that was a big part. Like, Jared Leto part, that was what I was looking forward to. That's the only reason I watched it. Okay. <laughs> and it's like, you know, it's like three and a half hours into the movie or whatever. Whatever, what, it was like the fifth ending of the movie, because, you know, there's the big battle, which is how the original Justice League ends. You know, it ends with the big battle where Superman yeah. kills uh, the guy, Steppenwolf, and then the movie ends. But in this one, it, they, they fight the guy, it ends, and then there's, like, the whole apocalypse thing. Then there's, like, him meet Martian Manhunter at his house, like, Ben Affleck meeting Martian Manhunter at his house in the mansion. Uh, like, there's all this other shit added onto it. It's like Lord of the Rings, like, three endings at the end. 
Yeah, it, it it is all about just comparisons to the other movies because <laughs> I I was I was finding so bloated. Yeah, it's it's like it's just following along Snyder's career. Like, oh yeah, you you you're like learning a bit from these things that <laughs> were mistakes <laughs> in the previous movies. Like, <laughs> I was really expecting for there to be. Uh, you won't know this, Adam, but in Man of Steel and batman v superman the the kind of third act just turns into this ridiculous dreary explosion fest right Mm -hmm. where where you can barely Mm -hmm. even tell what's going on but i found the action much better paced throughout the kind of movie and much more creative and just better executed than anything he's done in those previous movies maybe there's like there's like there's like one really good fight scene in uh batman v superman but i mean and here too, you're right. The action sequences are better done, and like more intense. Like there's the whole battle with Wonder Woman, like toward the beginning. It's like much more intense. Yeah. It goes on for like 20 minutes, I think. It feels like 20 minutes. <laughs> it's probably less than that. The whole movie, it just goes on too long. Even the ending, the third act, it's too long. He just doesn't know how to rein himself in. Mm-hmm. I think it's definitely bloated. As, as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the action scenes, they're definitely better, but the the other cut where they wanted to make it two hours they're like all right cut these action scenes down but it removes Mm -hmm. the like dramatic like resonance of the scene if it's just like a two-minute fucking battle and then you know he runs away (laughs) yeah exactly Mm. well my favorite piece of action or kind of set piece in the movie is the whole reviving superman thing it's I, i like the heroes having to work together you know without the mustache twirling villain directly being involved it's just mustache twirling that's funny because yeah you know <laughs> i mean that was that's another talking point with this movie is the, the steppenwolf and the differences so he, he he's been changed visually quite a lot um mm-hmm. he still looks pretty silly to me he's shiny but, spiky again, now it's an improvement yeah he's covered he's, he's covered in, in yeah. spikes and looks like a bionicle but yeah and now he has something instead of nothing <laughs> isn't isn't that a low bar to set he has something oh it's totally a low bar yeah i i'm not on the standpoint of uh, like loving this movie i just i'm like right down the middle i find it fascinating i there are things i enjoy about it but yeah you know as a whole it's not it's not it's not on par with anything um any of its contemporaries to me uh-huh. I made Star Wars comparisons with Steppenwolf because he's a lot like Darth Vader because he has like the guy who he talks to on the hologram or whatever yeah dark side he's like the underling you know, it's like that yeah he's yeah. the underling exactly and then there's even like you know steppenwolf has like two guys next to him oh no dark side i think has two guys next to him and it's like two guys who look like the emperor from star wars it's like guy in a hood and then right, the other guy yeah. looks like palpatine it's like this like gray hair human well yeah these movies are filled with so many like dc law references and stuff i'm sure yeah that of too that just enjoy it on that note alone you know if you're already into dc of course you can love it uh-huh well all the aquaman stuff but like that stuff's pointless willem dafoe like is in there he doesn't do anything i mean he's there because he's in the aquaman movies i guess yeah exactly but he doesn't serve a I don't know. Didn't need to be there. I mean, in the Aquaman movie, they talk to each other underwater, right? I don't know why they had to make air bubbles in this film, which is really weird because, like, the the Justice League, if this was, like, a part of the original cut especially, I don't know. But, like, this was part of the original plan, I think. I, I have no idea when this shit was filmed. But, like, Justice League and Aquaman didn't come out too far away from each other, right? Aquaman was after. And there was it, there seemed to be, like, zero communication between James Wan and Zack Snyder. 
So like James Wan was like, oh, yeah, I'll just film them talking to each other underwater. And Zack Snyder was like, I don't know how to do that. They're going to make air bubbles every time, like in the middle of a fucking fight. Like fucking Amber Heard's <laughs> yeah. got her like throat grabbed by Steppenwolf or whatever. She's like, air bubble, just to say something. She's like, you'll never get away with it or whatever <laughs> she said. It's, just, it's so cheesy and stupid. It's weird that they have to do that. Yeah. And so like the fighting and the talking scenes are like entirely separated in that sequence. And it's so weird. She tries to say something in the middle of a fight. There's a lot of issues that come with uh, the Flash existing in the movie, in my opinion. <laughs> His dad is funny. His dialogue fucking sucks, first of all. I hate that. Yeah, I hate I, was it. I hate everything that they tried to do with him. But then, like, just on a logical level like his he's way too overpowered for the universe for there to be any conflict really <laughs> a lot of it doesn't make any sense and so they nerf him intentionally so that there's like drama in the film you know there's the part where the rubble's falling there's like three big stones or whatever about to fall on some guy he's like like immediately and then the last one falls <laughs> and he says no and then cyborg gets it it's like what like you wouldn't have gotten it flash like you could have just walked there and it, you would have gotten it before it fell. Like, don't tell, don't tell, well, in the time you could have said the words no. In the time you could have said the words no, you, you, you could have just, like, instead of doing that, you could have just saved it like you did the other ones. Why did that final one, why weren't you able to save the person on that one? There's no reason. And then it's like, okay, so he's running around in a circle at the end and then, like, the best fucking bug turret operator ever to exist in the entirety of the universe manages to snipe him while he's running so fast that he's like turning time back <laughs> manages to like actually hit him yes he can reverse time that's pretty overpowered <laughs> yeah at, like at least for reversing time there's an implication like he can't just do it infinitely forever like he'll just get tired or something like it looks like he's putting an effort in and it goes back very slowly okay so at least at least it seems <laughs> like there's a limitation of some sort some excuse for him yeah, not to do it all the time. it's supposed to be like he runs so fast that he's he just messes up time i think yeah like superman would do in which, but... whichever movie right so it, it doesn't make sense right. if you try to think yeah. about it whatever but like he gets shot by like the, the dude on the turret as that's happening and yet in the other scene where like wonder woman almost loses his sword her sword she's like trying to grab it and then he just shows up and he's like ding with his finger like on the blade of the sword so it's like wait a minute like are you allowed to get hurt by things while you're fast because why wasn't the bullet that you got shot by or the explosion that you got like i don't know what it is that the turret was shooting at him whatever projectile why didn't that react the same way that the sword that was flying at you reacted you literally touched it with your bare finger and you didn't even get a cut right so if if uh, if mm -hmm. while you're going fast the objects that are moving slow to you don't actually provide any force because they are slow to your perspective like that sword then how are you able to get shot with that projectile it's just which it, whichever the script wants at the moment you know why didn't the why didn't the projectile why didn't he just touch it with his finger like he did with the sword <laughs> I mean you're right yeah there's like a million yeah. things like that it doesn't make sense it's really annoying but it's, it's such a Snyder <laughs> thing to be way more interested in the visuals and the kind of he really like romanticizes the idea of the superheroes and treats them like gods but they're, yeah. they're kind of distant characters as a result and and, and mm -hmm. the ones that uh, kind of have a bit more humanity needed their own movies because I mean Cyborg's arc and Flash's story could have been told in their own movies basically and should have been really because it, it makes it so messy yeah they have no setup at all yeah exactly 
And why did Cyborg have like extra arms? I don't remember that in the original one. <laughs> that was, it that looks was really weird. strange. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a really strange creative decision. I also don't like how he shot a missile at Superman for no reason. And he said, it's my auto defense system. Because Superman was looking angry or something. So it's like, now we have to ask ourselves, like, okay, was Superman evil before the missile, or was the missile an excuse to make Superman go evil for a second? Yeah. See, that's something that should have been set up, yeah. Either Cyborg's missile defense system is, like, the worst thing his dad could have installed for him. <laughs> like, he can't even control it. He can control the banking institutions, but he can't control his arm, right? <laughs> like, it's like, what, he just gave him an angry face? He's, like, too powerful, like, a strong <laughs> dude gave, looked angry at him, and so he got to shoot a missile at him? Like... Okay, that that fucking sucks. Your dad hates you, I guess. I don't know. Either that or, like, Superman actually was evil at that moment. And his arm was super smart in detecting that Superman was going to kill him or something. But that means that Superman's default setting is evil. That means, like, when he doesn't know who he is, he's like, oh, I've got, I've got amnesia. He's not like Jason Bourne, you know? Like, like who am I? It's It's literally just like, I hate everybody. Like, I don't remember being raised by a good family. So I'm mad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. That was just an excuse. That's just like the uh, gotta uh, have a fight. Amnesia beat, you know, so they can have a fight. Yeah, <laughs> it's very yeah. silly. Doesn't make any sense. I'm glad that fight's in the movie, though. It's one of the more interesting parts to me. One of the more memorable scenes when she yells, "Kalel, no." Yeah, I saw the comparisons. The, like, comparisons. On that. That's very, very interesting. Oh, I didn't see that. Is there a difference? No. Yeah, somebody posted. Um... Yeah, they used a different voiceover take. Like, they probably did ADR for the new version. I mean, probably for both of them. But in Justice Justice League, the J- Just Sweden cut. Um, he, <laughs> Justice League, okay. He, I like that. Basically, the, um, the take sounds like she's talking to, like, a baby. <laughs> Kal-El, no! <laughs> like, I don't, I don't even know how I could, like... Yeah. recreate it and then in the newer version it sounds oh, like awful. it sounds like it's coming from like a more empathetic matured perspective i guess <laughs> I, I still haven't seen the original so. yeah it is better do you think you're ever gonna watch it yes you're just gonna leave it no i will watch it and then that will be another unique experience because no one else can <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah then the other yeah. way around so the the original justice league is making people appreciate the improvements for Zack Snyder's version. So I'll be able to truly appreciate the glorious clusterfuck of Joss Whedon's version. I think I did it the right way. Yeah, I think I'll enjoy it more. I think I'm going to have more fun with it. I think you'll find it fascinating. It's going to be you'll shorter. an interesting two hours. Yes, yes. I don't think it's even two hours. It's, like it's, exact, hour it's like two hours on the dot. <laughs> including credits though yeah i think so i don't know that's what it says on imdb it's just two yeah, it's just two hours <laughs> that was their only like make it two hours that's it yeah i would say i i don't know this one's clearly better but the fact that it's four hours long makes me want to watch the other one just because it's shorter like i i would prefer that one just because it's two hours shorter than this one mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean the length is like ridiculous it is it's three yeah, hours 15 i'd always minutes, prefer this one over that original Unless yeah. it's for like humor or yeah, because it because it is better. Yeah, I'm not gonna deny that. Well, but I mean, it's it's we're fucking comparing hairs. It's like mm. they're they both <laughs> they're both bad. Uh, they're both fucking yeah. <laughs> they have a lot of really dull moments. What is it about Snyder that has built this 
this particular fan base then? I have no idea. Because he's really got a certain style that people really connect to. Like, people really Mm -hmm. connect to this. I think some people like the violence, like the dark edge. You know, this one's much more violent. I've noticed conservatives really love Zack Snyder. Well, like, I don't uh, know why. Was Armand White? What? I wonder what Armand White thought of this. Ben Shapiro film. loved the new Justice League. Oh yeah, I saw a review on <laughs> YouTube. It said Ben Shapiro Justice League review. I was like, holy fuck! <laughs> now he's he's moving into film reviews because he oh he's like, making a media empire. Know. He's like he's doing a lot right now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I saw, I saw him there, but it's like he thinks that's like some kind of like right. Maybe it is. I I don't know. Like that appeals to that kind of like the right crowd, but. I don't know. It's like it's a stupid superhero movie. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. It was just weird. That was so bizarre to see that. They're like not as woke as Marvel. I don't know. Like I didn't watch it. It was on my feed though. So the thumbnail. Does anybody think Batman's a little too pudgy? I think Batman's too pudgy. He's more of a dad man than Batman. It depends on what scene it is and what cut yeah, you're watching. Yeah, it, Ralph's right. It depends on the scene. <laughs> yeah. At the end of this film, like during the reshoots, he was like skinnier. I thought he looked okay. But like then there's some shots, you know, where he's like pudgy, some shots where he's like kinda built, he looks alright. Some shots where he looks kinda out of it, like he's tired yeah. or something. I, d- I don't think Ben Affleck works as a Batman. No, I don't think so either. I thought the casting was very poor of everybody. Well, I was I was kind of into his look in um BVS, personally. I mm-hmm. I, I I thought he was all right in BVS in terms of the the brooding like physicality of it, and the, it kind of suits Snyder's darkness more because it was like a jaded Superman, sorry, Batman. But <laughs> but that is that mm-hmm. I, that I don't know. That's more to do with like how the character is written than casting Ben Affleck, right? No, but I mean the just the visual way he presented okay. Batman in that movie. It, it it is different to Justice League. Because he's in the rogues gallery. He, Batman's kind of the odd one out. He's not a god. He's a, it's an ongoing joke that he's rich. It's such I don't like that joke. It's all in the movie, but yeah, he he. Batman kind of has so much less to do, and they added in this whole sequence with him in the like his his car driving around shooting rockets and stuff. Because and he's got like his spider tank, because they've got to power him up to be at least somewhat comparable with the threats that are around him because they're so ridiculously overpowered and they are all gods but yeah i don't know it, batman in this movie yeah he, he does stand out a bit more but and in that original cut particularly he was absolutely bizarre and stood out because they because the color grading was obviously different the, the color grading does it's visually consistent at least in this version in the original it was just jumped around like crazy he doesn't do anything he's useless yeah, yeah. he doesn't he he assembles the team <laughs> yeah remember he has like this i don't know it's kind of like a military jet he like drops them off like that's all he could do <laughs> he fucking drops everyone off yeah <laughs> like, i got the dough he picks he picks the flash up in a car he's like okay let's go and he drives his car away like that's all he could do he has like a nice car they could drive. when the characters have no history just to, the beats don't hit you know where, where they yeah could. exactly you, you know if they'd spent the time to, and then really did have like a properly established batman superman relationship so then years down the line you have conflict between them that's interesting that's mm-hmm. like what you want to see but again it's it's just rushed over and <laughs> the, the the crazy action explosions are kind of the priority in the uh the jesus imagery and stuff yeah i like how when they bring back superman he's like yeah, they brought me back for a reason. I gotta find out. 
Like, th- there's zero chance in his mind that they would have brought him back to life for any sentimental reasons. Like, they don't like me. Like, they, they want something. <laughs> they just they fucking like dicking around for a while. Superman doesn't show up till, like, halfway through. Yeah. Yeah, if not longer. He's a really boring character. Him and Batman. I couldn't imagine yeah. watching Batman v Superman. <laughs> oh, it's so much worse. Yeah. I think it's Jesse the, Eisenberg seems the worst of the three. Funny bad. Like, more cringe. He seems on par with Jared Leto, honestly. There's some good villains in the DCU. <laughs> yeah, I could agree with that. I'm really uh, really not feeling the movie. <laughs> it wasn't good. <laughs> Everything. It just seems like a bad idea. It, the whole thing seems like a bad idea. The Flash is stupid. Cyborg is stupid. He gave a woman an ATM lottery prize that doesn't exist, and she's going to get fucked by the IRS like in a week. So, <laughs> the highlight of the film for some people was the flash scene where he rescues uh, the woman on the street. Aren't his clothes supposed to disintegrate? I don't know. That's why he wears the suit. Yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe. On then he puts a wiener in his pocket. Yeah, all, all the wieners flying around. Uh, that scene was okay, but it's been done better in X Men movies. Mm-hmm. And also Spider Man Two. I don't fucking know. Or like, just seems like one of those. Well, scenes. like a direct comparison. Any movie with a guy you know in slow motion running around speed yeah quicksilver in days of future past and apocalypse even those scenes you know they're in my review i'll show i'll show this side by side (laughs) i mean i guess it's fine though like i don't like all the lightning and shit around the flash see i i I like that scene i think it's a good way to establish that character it's one of the better scenes i think the casting is a real problem for that one it's 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 not the right tone maybe it's the dialogue more than the casting it's oh, man. <laughs> the jokes are really I don't know lame. what it is but the other scene in the justice league that that scene is completely removed in the original cut and it's replaced by some dumb scene where he like i don't know he goes to like the jail i think and fills out a form like that was it like it sucked the scene it was so it was so pointless and like he draws like a dumb face on a guy with like marker mm-hmm. that's it so this was better definitely Oh, yeah, God, I'd forgotten about that entirely. <laughs> yeah. It's because it's... And the action scenes at the end where he's, like, racing Superman and stuff like that, that's not in this version. Oh, yeah. That sounds fun. <laughs> There's no post credit scenes or anything like that. Like, they didn't do any of that crap. They didn't do post credits. They just did, like, the most long and drawn-out dream sequence at the end of the movie for no reason. Yeah, they did a bunch of endings. Well, like, there's the scene with Lex Luthor. That scene is a post credit scene. In, in the Joss Whedon oh, version. Okay. So like Jesse Eisenberg's like on a boat, right? And then he's visited by Deathstroke. I think that's... Because mm-hmm. there's, you know, there's a bunch of dead guys, whatever. Deadpool. Uh, <laughs> who's the guy Will Smith is? Deadshot? Deadshot. Hancock? <laughs> and, and this is Deathstroke. <laughs> yeah, he's like a Batman villain. Yeah. So they're sending him up for a future movie, but it's like, okay, that's not going to happen. And it's also stupid because you've just you've just shown off the biggest threat in the universe, and you're de-escalating to this little guy with a sword. It's, <laughs> it's a strange way to do it. Yeah, and Lex Luthor. Oh no, he's like really cringe, and that's how he's gonna kill them. They're gonna die. Because of course, cringe. yeah, it's it's not even a complete story, really, because it does it has so much setup in it, which was clearly shot with them planning this. Was it going to be a trilogy or just two parts? I can't remember what their extensive plan was, but it was obviously all abandoned. Mm. And 
it is one of the worst things about it beyond the obvious like dialogue and and the breadth and everything but mm-hmm. i'm glad i watched it to be honest i i i don't have the just pushback against it for some reason I, i'm i'm okay with this this existing i'm glad it exists i i i, I love that this this project came together and were able to talk about it but i'm not yeah. co- really connected to it beyond the kind of meta story of it all mm. and the fun really is in the comparisons for me yeah <laughs> I, don't know. I just fi- i just find studio fuck-ups on this scale to be just utterly fascinating to me true <laughs> even if this wasn't compared to anything else this would still be a fascinating movie if like if all of a true. sudden Warner Brothers was just like, let's just let Zack Snyder do whatever he wants. And there was no reason for it. Sure. That'd be equally fascinating to me. And the way the pandemic kind of affects the fact that it came together, it probably never would have, you know, been made if if not for the fact that we've been flung into these ridiculous circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think there's any chance of them continuing it? Because it it has had a surprisingly (laughs) positive... Yeah, true. Yeah, that might be the challenging thing. But what if they propose something for HBO Max or whatever? Because they... I don't know. I don't know. I can see them doing that investing... Like, if you look at what, like, Netflix spends on their original programming, for example, it's it's obscene. They're, like, always spending way more than they make, but that's the way... Like, how much? Oh, like, hundreds of millions for these shows. Like, I've been watching The Crown recently, and, like, the cast and the budgets are just Mm. ridiculous. Yeah. So... I I think the funding like the mod the business model is a little bit different with the streaming content compared to the the way uh, you know the the budgets of the the theatrical movies come together. I could be wrong on that, but superhero movies are still really expensive, though. They would still be more expensive because this is like I don't know this this is four hours compared to like a mini series of being like ten hours, right? And then on top of that, this is like. They were able to justify this by spending seventy million dollars on top of a movie that was already made. So their like expense of mm-hmm. doing the whole four hour thing was seventy million, not the seventy plus how much a hundred, two hundred million. Like what was the budget of the mm-hmm. original Justice League? I don't know. Two fifty. Yeah. Three hundred wasn't. Yeah, it? like three hundred million. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know to spend like three to four hundred million on a four hour movie doesn't seem economically feasible, especially for HBO Max right now. They're not making as much as Netflix. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, de- I They didn't need to spend that much money to have make this project come together. Yeah. Like it was just a logistical fuck up on a scale. I guess. So. Like just just imagining the money burning is yeah sad, but yeah. But it's just a big property. Like there's going to be a ton of money spent just to make it. You know. Yeah, and I think it's about the subscription numbers. There's a lot and... of cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, a, a movie usually costs like those Avengers movies are usually three hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. It's usually a lot more money than a hundred million, but they can make it work. I mean, who who the fuck knows? <laughs> if they replace fucking what's his face as the Flash, Ezra Miller, Ez- Ezra, if they replace him with Nathan Fielder, the whole movie is so much better. I'm like we, <laughs> my roommate gave me that idea and. About halfway through the movie, because I was just mad watching The Flash. Like, I was actually upset. Um, <laughs> but after that moment, I just imagined Nathan Fielder instead. Like, every single line was like, it's funny now. Like, it now it works. <laughs> Next time you watch uh, The Flash, 
Next time you watch Justice League, just imagine it's Nathan Fielder instead of Ezra Miller, and uh, it's a better movie. It's a life hack. (laughs) Hacked it. Hacked the financial institutions. Yeah, I suppose the most likely way it's going to be wrapped up is in a comic or something. I guess. But I'm just just thinking from the, the kind of business perspective when... It has had a big reaction. They kind of owned the internet for a little bit, and it's still it's still rippling on now. But we don't know on the back end just how much that's equating to numbers going up on a graph. I'm assuming they see a blip. HBO Max. I'm I'm assuming they see a subscriber up from Justice League. Yeah. Why not? It's like a part of a broader conversation. This is what I don't understand. It's like apparently everybody in the world saw the original Justice League and it still just didn't make money. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, yeah. I'm the only person that didn't, but but apparently it was uh-huh. just not not a financial success. Somehow everybody's seen it and it didn't make money. Okay, it didn't live up to their expectations either. Everybody needed to see it twice. <laughs> That's right, because they always have obscene expectations too. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Like, so. what were they expecting on a three hundred million dollar movie? Like, they'd have to do billion, like Marvel Avengers numbers. Yeah, which is what they so wanted, of course. <laughs> but they just, they just couldn't read a room. Yeah, no, it's baffling. <laughs> it's baffling. Yeah, yeah. The fight scenes were just way too comical at the end because, like, every single time Wonder Woman showed up on screen, <laughs> every single fucking time. <laughs> And it was just like a punchline. It was just so funny and bad. Yeah, and that was a strange decision. Because they already established a kind of, of a, the, a the original Wonder Woman theme's kind of funny when they first put that into BBS <laughs> to me. And now they've kind of taken it to the next <laughs> level. Yeah, with all the chanting. <laughs> well, what did you think of the movie? It was a 10 out of 10. Oh, like ratings? Yeah, rating this is tough for me. I'm torn between a two-star or a two-and-a-half-star. Um, honestly, I fully can't decide yet. I, because of the the interesting part of this movie, the enjoyment I get from it is not from the movie itself, really. It's kind of the whole story around it, which is a unique... Like, how do you rate it based on that? I might have to sit on it a bit more, but that's kind of what my gut's telling me right now. It's It's got some stuff, if you're... If you're a real fan of some of these characters, there will be moments you'll you'll enjoy and appreciate, and there's some good stuff here and there. But it's it's four hours long. It's there's so much stuff that doesn't need to be in there. There's so many bad scenes. There's so much bad dialogue. So much awful stuff in there. I don't know who I'd really <laughs> recommend this to. You know, the the, the people yeah. who love it already know they love it. You know, and they they've already found it. <laughs> so they wanted to love it. Well, I'm not going to rate it now, but it would be... I, I agree with a lot of what you said. Yeah. Save a rating for the future. Uh, I rate Jared Leto's scene 10 out of 10. Okay. Like, that was great. <laughs> yeah, it was really, really funny. Really, uh, yes, great acting. Yeah. Went on for a long time. It's a long movie. I saw it in two sittings. It was like a Affinity War and then Endgame. <laughs> yeah, I had to take a break. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how many people watched it four hours in a row. Who knows? Yeah, I'm fucking removed the CG mustache correction for Superman, and then they gave a CG must- mustache to the Flash at the end. So that's cool. Uh, three out of ten. 
Oh, yeah, I really didn't understand that. Was that a different actor? <laughs> like, it didn't even really look like... He a... just probably didn't grow a mustache because he w- he needed to be not mustached for another role, and they forgot that prop and makeup exists. <laughs> so they just did CG. <laughs> Every now and again, I go and just look up screenshots from the original Justice League, like, mustache stuff, close-ups. It seems like Henry so Cable's much fun. Face. I really oh, want to yeah. watch it. It's... Yeah, the memes that came from it making fun of it are yeah, yeah, really funny. Yeah. That was like that was like the DC universe's like that was like Stonewall. You know, they had to fight back. <laughs> Those shots are completely pointless too. Like they don't add anything. It's just a bunch of dumb jokes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and trying to like desperately reel Superman back to being what Joss Whedon wanted him to be. Necessary yeah. reshoots. Done with this shit. <laughs> We had a recommendation from Alex, a British man. Wait, did did you give a rating, Adam? I said three. Oh, sorry. That's all right. <laughs> out of five. <laughs> out of, or out out of five. Yeah. Six out, out of ten. ten. Three right. out of ten. Yeah. <laughs> we all watched two movies that Alex recommended. Take it away. Spoiler discussion. Yeah. So, yeah. Spoilers for Paddington one and two. This is my recommendation. Uh, Paul King's movies based on the the famous children's book um and honestly i somehow miss these movies despite them being uh, paddington's such a british icon i was kind of I, I always looked away from these movies for two main reasons one i never i i didn't read the paddington books or really had any connection with him as a child mm-hmm. so I, I i didn't care about that and secondly the just seeing like the odd screenshot or or like the trailer in cinemas and stuff. I just assumed it was going to be one of those, you know, one of those kind of based on children's books or yeah. cartoon characters like Woody Woodpecker type shit films. But <laughs> hop something like that. Yeah, like hop tier. But <laughs> yeah, I was kind of blown away by the the uh, the approach of uh, these two movies. They're they're very simple. They're obviously aimed for children, um, and it's just about a bear from Peru who comes over to London. Uh, Paddington, um, and has kind of Mr. Bean antics and adventures, mm-hmm. and it's all very whimsical and like a, a children's storybook brought to life. Uh, I really enjoyed these two movies. Uh, I guess we can start with the first movie, uh, Paddington, before we move into two, which is more about, you know, this is origin story, effectively, with him coming over and is uh, the, the Pixar kind of opening with the the uncle dying and it forcing the story over and mm-hmm. it's it's him learning to appreciate what home is and and the, and family themes and everything you know and obviously the main focus is on the kind of the story but comedy of it and i think they're very well written they're very charming i was laughing out loud at points in uh, in both of them um, there are some real great gags we can get into, but I was really pleasantly surprised by Paddington and how much heart it has and just how much thought they put into all the reincorporation and just the the writing and the wittiness of it. There is so much just purity to it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I like these movies. <laughs> I like both these movies. They're very charming. I, I'd seen the first one when it came out in the theater. Oh. So... Yeah, I, I don't know. I was, I was like, oh, yeah, this looks good. So I actually had a fun experience watching it there. Yeah. The audience enjoyed it. It was clearly like, yeah, they're, it's a funny movie. 
Paddington's a goof. <laughs> I looked up if he came out before Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh came out way before. It was like the 1920s. Mm-hmm. And it's like the, I noticed the comparisons with like the marmalade and the honey. Mm, suspicious. So I don't know. It's like a British knockoff of like, yeah. But it's it's really well made. Like, yeah. You got revenge with The Office. Yeah, we'll, my t- we'll talk about the Wes Anderson comparisons, I think, with both movies. Mm-hmm. Like, in terms of like how they're shot. Oh, yeah. I, I think that's what they're going for. Um, but I don't know. It didn't even really bother me necessarily. At least it wasn't just shit. Like it wasn't like a bunch of dumb jokes and like references. I think yeah. they'll age well. Like because they're just they work on their own. They're very British too. Sorry, I, I've got I've got to address the Winnie the Pooh thing. Winnie the Pooh is British, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Oh. <laughs> it's a Disney thing. Yeah, it, I think it was the the original books are British. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. You got both. I thought it was like Canadian, <laughs> British Canadian. You'll learn it. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit of everybody. <laughs> but Paddington's like the really British version of him. What country invented Winnie the Pooh? <laughs> well, A. A. Milne is English. Oh yeah, here's why. Okay, he was renamed after an American black bear in London Zoo called Winnie, who got her name from. The fact that her owner had come from Winnipeg, Canada. That's why. Because there are these weird, like, PSAs oh. that exist on Canadian television. They were, like, a part of our heritage, right? And so it would, like, it would be like, well, did you know that this happened in Canadian history? This, like, tiny little skit <laughs> that would be uh, shown on television in, com- during commercial breaks or whatever. And one of them was, like, this little kid in, like, a zoo. He's like, hey, I want to call it Pooh Bear. And then it was like, oh, okay. And that's how they got the name Winnie the Pooh. And I was like, oh. So that's why I thought it was like Baby Canadian. Because like it was like, yeah, Winnipeg. <laughs> Winnie the Pooh. Okay. So it's like, it, it's related. It's related. I okay. put it in English right. author. There you go. Well, at least I yeah, wanted to bring up Winnie the Pooh. Anyway, <laughs> it's definitely what I saw. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Doesn't take itself too seriously. Very self-aware. Very creative mm-hmm. with how it presents scenes and sequences. I don't know how much detail there was in the book, so I don't know how much was directly lifted from that in terms of style or set pieces or anything like that, uh, how much of it was just the director. But either way, I'm, it's, it's just nice that like something that does present itself in kind of a non-serious but creative way is able to get funding and obviously there's a budget and there's name actors mm-hmm. uh you know big cg mm-hmm. bear and all that and it didn't seem like there was there was this common mistake of a studio turning a property like this into just an absolute dog shit piece of movie i think that part of what really saved the experience for me also is i was imagining if if they decided to have paddington's voice actor be a child instead because the age is a bit ambiguous. Like he's kind uh, of he's like yeah, a young bear, but he has an adult voice actor, and I think that that kind of really helps for me because I would be annoyed the entire time if it was a dumb child <laughs> voice, right? Yeah, I don't maybe. know if you feel that way. No, I totally agree with yeah. you. I, I think the decision to have the way they incorporate kids in the movie is having them be more side characters yeah. that, that they are still somewhat important and they have their own little mini beats and payoffs, but. Mm-hmm. I, I think that way of doing it is much better. And the, just the way the film, they, they, they build on themselves. Like in Paddington 2, there's a bunch of payoffs from the first movie. 
it's mm-hmm. uh, it's all very very creative as you said and so much work was put into the presentation of it i mean mm-hmm. i was very very blown away by the visual effects work for paddington in particular because I'd, I'd seen very little from this movie and just the grounded way they just and they decided to film the the way paddington interacts with the environment he's often mm-hmm. holding or interacting with real things in the environment so it really grounds him and i thought it, it worked very well yeah especially when it came to like the the mr bean fish out of water action sequences mm-hmm. and silly moments like that it, it worked really well with the i was really impressed with the the visual effects in particular yeah the look of paddington's awesome yeah and just really good. organized the scenes and set pieces and you know kept the visual effects in mind you know like there's mm-hmm. the shot where like the tub is like going down the stairs or whatever and then it cuts to the expression of the family members at the table going <gasps> and they all give stupid faces as the tub enters the kitchen yeah. but you see it from paddington's perspective and you see a real tub that they just dollied forward mm-hmm. you didn't even need to have cg there it was just you know you just saw the cg bear so you imagine it's behind it it's just it, it flows well it's mm-hmm. it's well put together from a filmmaking perspective and the britishness of it can't be understated it's oh, obviously yeah. paddington is quintessential kind of polite british guy mm-hmm. it's, it's it's very charming because he's got his he's got his quirks like the recurring joke yeah. of the the hard stare when someone's rude to him and he, he's all about politeness and what's prim and proper but the humor comes from the fact that he's a bear <laughs> and the absurdity of a bear just existing in a human world is is funny for everyone it's very charming mm-hmm. it, it seemed it everybody just treats it like a normal wednesday they're like yeah there's yeah, some bears yeah whatever <laughs> <laughs> I think the hard stare is like yeah. probably my favorite moment from both films. I'm glad, I'm glad they did it. Yeah, in, in I, both of them. I was so glad it came back yeah. in the second yeah. one. Yeah, because that is a great. It gag. was like slightly meaner looking. <laughs> yeah, my favorite gag in the in the first movie was relating to the villain character, who is kind of a cliche kids movie villain mm-hmm. type like archetype where they're the the they're like the animal hunter type where she's all about. <laughs> mounting heads on the walls but in the in the scene where it shows all the mounted heads and then it it shows the other side of the wall and all of the bodies are on like the other side of the wall i thought that was such a funny joke um (laughs) purely visual they don't linger on it or ruin the the the, like humor of it Mm -hmm. they they know what to focus on and what to build on and as i said I, i really like the reincorporation of the way silly jokes like the one, the one in my head right now is uh, actually from Paddington too, but where just throwaway gags like Paddington shaving someone's hair by accident comes oh, yeah. back later, it builds on the story, and I, I like that that kind of writing. It makes everything feel conclusive and come together at the end really satisfyingly, and mm-hmm. I, I also like the effort just to give every character their own little bit of personality, their own quirks. The dad character's funny in the first movie, being like a risk assessor, and his little arc <laughs> going out mm-hmm. of his comfort zone is cute. And the mm. yeah, th- they're all given just enough. It's and it's it's just so expertly crafted. It's funny. <laughs> it's it's genuinely funny. funny yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll agree with you that the marketing didn't do a great job for me anyway. Like. I guess it made money, got a sequel, so maybe they marketed it correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's probably why I avoided it. 
in the U.S. I didn't expect it to be that successful. Yeah, because I, I did know, see a trailer it. for it way back when, and I was like, "Because it's a CGI uh, bear." Yeah, and I guess it could yeah, have done better if it was reaction. like you know what I was picturing, like the dumb kind of like the illumination version of this. Yeah, where he's like, Peter Peter Rabbit. Yeah, he's like, you know, doing like yeah, it's stupid, you know, like fucking dumb so gags, or like he references some meme, you know, <laughs> like some, some bullshit <laughs> like that. Yeah, he dab like nonsense like that. He has a vape pen. I don't know, whatever they do. <laughs> uh, that'd be funny but here it's, he's like yeah completely innocent none of the humor will age poorly none of it will be dated probably because it's like silly fun gags that are it's very innocent yeah like the tub yeah yeah super innocent all that. yeah exactly and they're well done it's just a very it's a very sleek movie it's very well made you can't take away from like how well made it is uh, mm-hmm. so yeah I can see why people like connect to it yeah yeah, another reason I'd avoided it too, because I, I wasn't sure if it was going to be one of those come to London, you know, movies, you know, in the style of like, you know, those Adam Sandler movies where they go to like casinos and they're like trying to encourage you to go somewhere <laughs> for like a tourism mm-hmm. thing. But it doesn't feel like that. It's way more pure and it's trying to get to the heart of what London's all about. Um, and they they, yeah. they get it a lot better in the second movie. I, I do think the first movie is actually significantly weaker than the second one to me but i still did really enjoy it i think both are about london or like the uk definitely like that culture that's a huge part of what i thought they were about yeah and paddington's like and it has basically every english character actor (laughs) working yeah um, yeah that's too i recognized a lot of people in it (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. you got god peter capaldi's a major character in uh in the first movie He's kind of like a side villain. Um, weird hearing him not do a Scottish accent, but he's funny. Mm-hmm. And Julie yeah. Walters is in it. Ron, we- Ron Weasley's mom, yeah. apparently. That's right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's Sally Hawkins, of course. I I knew her. Yeah, I didn't know she was in it before watching it. Same with yeah. Nicole Kidman. I didn't realize Ben Winshaw was Paddington either. Like he's uh he's in great casting. I, I think his voice is perfect. Yeah, yeah, it was originally going to be Hugh Grant, wasn't it? When I just can't oh, weird. picture it. <laughs> and no, Hugh Grant's you. the villain in the second one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think he he actually declined it. He said he wasn't right for it himself, I think, which is quite oh. quite good. Because when he came back in two, it's like, yeah. We'll talk about that in a bit. But... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, um, I like that they actually kind of got me with a gross-out moment with the licking the earwax thing. I, I didn't think they would go that far. It seemed yeah. like a bit much. No, that was, <laughs> it was like viscerally disgusting. Like, this is actually really gross. You got me. I was kind of impressed. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, love the cartoony nature of the villain. I think that it's like just just teetering over the top enough that it's like so clearly self-aware mm-hmm. rather than just being stereotypical child movie villain. It's like, okay, this is kind of a joke. This is kind of, you know, for laughs. So Yeah. And it's the kind of humor that works for both kids mm-hmm. and adults. I'd say there yeah. are more jokes for adults in the second one, but there's plenty here too. And yeah, just the, the you know, the Mr. Beanish nature of him just bumbling around and like getting into antics because he's a bear mm-hmm. in like a human environment. It's, it is just funny. I also thought that the... Uh... The guards reading the Oreo nutritional information was kind of funny in such <laughs> yeah. a way that if it were a product placement, which it probably was, I'm not even mad at it because <laughs> it's like, ah, it's kind of funny. You know, 
it's like used in the scene and it's not just you know it's not just a distracting product placement it's like oh okay this is kind of funny one of the uh, other reasons i'd avoided this movie before was because the director paul king um <laughs> he directed this this like sitcom this awful sitcom that was quite big in the uk called come fly with me and it's actually been taken oh. off like bbc iplayer and stuff because it's so like <laughs> so like crass and just you know uh-huh. not funny um <laughs> so it's, i always associated him with that project so i always avoided it but this really has spun me around on on him and what he's capable of what are your biggest criticisms with the first movie i think the plot is simple to a degree where it's and it leans to kids mm-hmm. so far that as an adult there were points where i was like yeah that's definitely a gag for kids like lots of slapstick humor well uh, some works better than others yeah it is just extremely mm-hmm. simple to me yeah exactly it just doesn't it didn't like blow me away exactly i don't have like any criticisms with it yeah i i really feel like these movies are quintessential kids movies like if if i had kids i, I would mm-hmm. definitely show them these movies i think they're great kids movies like just in line with your toy stories or whatever i think this joins yeah, the pantheon but, but even for kids like it's not like a I don't know, it's about adults a lot. <laughs> you know, like there's not a lot of I guess they have like the kids in the family, but you have the Paddington Bear. And especially in the second movie, you know, it's focused on all these adult characters like Nicole Kidman and like you know, the all the villains and the parents and the neighbors and all them. I don't know. I I like E. T. because it's all just like about, you know, like I'm young, I wanna watch like kids go on an adventure where like they find some alien or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> like that. I don't know. Uh, the bear's the central I character. I guess this is very British. Enough, yeah, it, that's what gives it a unique feel. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of, like, anything. If they'd given, like, I don't know, the, the, the son and the daughter more character. Like, even in The Incredibles. Like, I really like Dash and Violet. I don't know. There, there's nothing about them that really stood out. I'm happy with the amount of character they gave the kids in this. Because I... Yeah. They weren't yeah. bad actors, they were suitable for what they needed to do, which is great <laughs> for a kid's movie mm-hmm. having kids in them. Usually they're terrible. But yeah, I, I you know, it kind of helped it feel a bit more unique because so many kids' movies probably couldn't help themselves and would make it literally all about the kids and make it, you know, have it be too much. Yeah, of exactly. The story, That's right? what gave it a uniqueness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe the moral of Paddington's like. I, I, I always compared him, like, to growing up, like, becoming an adult, like, trying to adjust to the adult world, like, trying to do things that adults do and, like, constantly fucking them up, like, getting a job and he, like, cuts the guy's hair off or, you know, like, <laughs> stuff like that. So maybe it's, like, the kid kind of imposes himself onto Paddington. That's, like, I guess the point of it. So I could just be talking out of my ass, but mm-hmm. that's just something I felt, like, trying to find a criticism out of it. I'm like, yeah, for a kid, I could see a kid being bored because it's like it's a bunch of adults. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, there might be like an age threshold. <laughs> really, I, I think it's the humor. Yeah, it's just a yeah. I would say th- there is an age threshold with this, with like yeah. an ideal mm-hmm. one. Yeah, maybe not four years old. Yeah, I don't think I would watch. I think super kids would enjoy this, but they couldn't like comprehend many of the things going on. There's definitely subtlety. There's too much subtlety in like it's. It, yeah. I'm saying it's like too good. It's almost it's like too well made for like young kids. 
it's too interesting and like subtle. There's like, there's like parts of this that are like surprisingly non-literal because you know, he like walks <laughs> yeah, into the deep. projector screen and it's like the memory. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, an adult understands what's going on because it's just a, you know, a non-literal, liter- non-literal interpretation of him remembering and being like, oh yeah, I want to go back to Peru. I miss my, you know, relatives or whatever. But like a kid would just be like, mm-hmm. why is he walking into the screen? Is it a portal? Like that's what, what a kid with it, like the ability to understand like non-literal things in movies is a bit diminished the younger you are. So I think um kids would love this just because of the dedication to that fast moving mm-hmm. visual aspect of it. Like yeah, you, exactly. Every time there's some kind of exposition dump, they accompany it with some some visual, like you said, like uh, these 2D animations in the second movie or in the first mm-hmm. movie, they have oh, yeah. the, the kind of dream sequences that keep it visually interesting. And I think, honestly, I think that's all kids are really after when they're, they're watching the movie. So the fact they went the extra level and actually made the writing hold up and be yeah. funny and witty for adults. I think that's what makes this so special. Yeah, it's good art direction. Yeah, really well shot. Yeah, I, I would say that both movies, maybe the first movie a bit more, I'm not sure, but uh, both movies kind of had parts where I was rolling my eyes, either at the humor or at, you know, the plot devices or conveniences or anything like that. And it's like, yeah, it's a kid's movie, whatever. Yeah, I could have done without the Mission Impossible gag. That was probably my least yeah, favorite. That's, um, yeah, some of, the, some of the gags are a bit obvious. Mm. Yeah, it just seems like a bit late to be throwing in Mission Impossible gags <laughs> in like 2014. This is my name in Bear, and then he tries to do it. He's like, I am very offended. It's like, that's 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 every four-year-old's attempt at writing humor. <laughs> like, come on. Like, that that's way too obvious. Yeah, that's, that's definitely uh, one for the kids. <laughs> but whatever. It, it's not the whole movie. There's so much more going on that I appreciate that I'm able to look past that a bit and be like, yeah, some parts don't work as well as others. You know, that's just... There's plenty of things I love that fit that description. So, Lots of good chase and action scenes in uh, these movies. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was very impressed by the, the action. Oh, yeah. They're like exciting, thrilling movies. <laughs> On top yeah. of being very emotional. It's like all kinds of like peaks and valleys of emotion. Uh, I don't know. The, the second movie, I think, had a bit better action. Like the train sequence, like at the end, it reminded me of like Indiana Jones or like yeah. Uncharted, like some kind of shit like that. I think that's probably the best done. Mm. That's the very end, though. You gotta up the ante. I mean, they did have him like almost falling into like a pit of fire in this movie, so yeah, like that looks pretty <laughs> dangerous. In the second one, they just straight up showing they show that woman like fall to her death. <laughs> oh, which one? In the second movie, in that flashback, there's the woman who like. F- in the circus kind of scene. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, she doesn't... It's not like she was a splattered body or anything. They just said she oh, died. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, mm-hmm. it's, like, horrific. But, I mean, like, even in the first movie, it's like you... The villain cuts the guy loose while he's, like, handcuffed upside down and falls into the water. Like, the implication is he died, probably. Like, maybe a kid wouldn't understand that, I guess. But, like, yeah. I don't know how he got out of that one. He wasn't shown later in the film being perfectly okay, so he probably died. <laughs> I was actually surprised, because, like, they could have they had the villain die, too, but they showed her hanging onto the ledge at the end. Either way, it would have worked. It is funny that the drunk yeah. grandma kind of saved the day, though. I like I like her <laughs> yeah. little uh, her little contributions to the the plot. And the way he defeats him is that recurring gag with the the pigeons. 
mm-hmm. which is another example of the yeah. reincorporation I quite like. Yeah, that one that that reincorporation I was like a little bit less surprised by. I think that there are yeah. probably better examples of reincorporation in the second movie. Yeah, I definitely noticed it more in the second so, one. So yeah, I'm ready to talk about that whenever, honestly. Yeah, I think we pretty much covered the first one. I mean, it is a very simple kids movie, but that's all it needed to be. And they've really put a lot of heart and soul and effort into making it the best it could be. I, I mean, I don't know what else you could really want from a Paddington movie. This is the way you adapt a, a kid's story into a movie. I think it's pretty much perfect for the for the kind of intent and what they were going for. I, I, I would I would give it a, a 7 out of 10, though, personally. Um, I did have some emotional resonance from it, but not as much from the second. Uh, I much prefer that one. But what did you yeah. guys give the yeah. first one? I feel I feel about the same. It was funny. Yeah, it's charming. It I mean, it definitely... I saw it in the theater. I didn't even know who Paddington was. So, <laughs> like, somehow it crossed that threshold where it's just... Yeah, it's like a charming little film. Uh, little kids... I think they would prefer to watch Shrek <laughs> or something. I don't know. I, I, I'd give it a 7 out of 10 as well. They just want, like, loud, dumb humor, you know? Or at least that's what I wanted. Somebody. Like, I love hearing Smash Mouth. Yeah, like, fucking <laughs> farting in, like, the pond. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, yeah, this is fine. Very British. Very British. Great art direction. I love the addresses in the sky above the buildings as he's, like, looking for... M. Clyde, you know, they're written in his Mm -hmm. his own writing. The taxi, and then it's taxidermist when you open the door. That was kind of funny, visual gag. What really helps the movie is just, it's very clearly self-aware. Like when they do the flashback and he's like, we're removing your membership to the the guilds of (laughs) of explorers. (laughs) And like every single character there is just so clearly over over the top. It's like, what's this special? (laughs) Did he do the crossword? Yeah, it's just a lot of great stuff in it. It, you know, it doesn't it doesn't treat you like you're stupid, and yeah, it's unpretentious. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's it's great. It's it's fun. Seven out of ten, I enjoyed it. Yeah, because it gets tiring when people they assume kids are really stupid, so they make their like minion bullshit. <laughs> but, like kids are smarter than you give them credit for. I think you can write movies like Paddington, and they, you'd be surprised by the things they'll pick up. And when they revisit, and the kind of there's like Shakespeare references and stuff that maybe they'd like learn. It's it's really cute. Minions and... movies made more money. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have to look that up. <laughs> yeah, I guess like chicken nuggets of legs are just more appealing. Well, because they have like nothing to them. Yeah. Like this is about British culture and something. Like like Minions is about nothing. Like there's no reason <laughs> yeah, not to watch. <laughs> Paddington stands for something. He's got like a yeah, moral exactly. code. There's no nothing that turns someone off from it, Minions, you know? Mm-hmm. Paddington is like ages seven and up and Minions is like seven and below. <laughs> yeah. Or like ten and below. I don't know. Depends on the kid. I don't know. There are plenty of adults that love minions. Oh yeah, true. A lot of grandma. You know, I think it might just be like because if they Senile if people. they put like a minion sticker on their fridge or a minion sign on their lawn, then their grandkids come over and they're happy. You know, mm-hmm. it's like they yeah, give them candy and stuff. It's like love me. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how much of it is genuine love for minions. I have no idea. There might be a few. Anyway, Paddington too. Paddington goes to prison. <laughs> yeah, Paddington 2 came out in 2017, three years later. Um, and 
Yeah, the the story is uh, that the MacGuffin was Hugh Grant's pop up book with the the silly codes and everything, but the, the real heart of the story is Paddington. Uh, he, he, his goals are established early in the movie. He wants to get a present for his his auntie back in Peru, which is mm-hmm. the pop-up book, and antics ensue. This time, Hugh Grant's the villain. He's uh, he's like a, a washed-up actor. There's like a it's like a funny kind of meta joke. He's got all his pictures of himself, and he's <laughs> he, he, his downfall is his own ego. He's one of those kind of characters, and it's a very funny uh, approach. Yeah, it kind of ramps up everything from Paddington 1 to me. It feels like an improvement in pretty much every way. I feel like the jokes are better. I feel like the yeah the reincorporation is a lot better. I think the story's better. I think it's way more ambitious. It does more things that that I wasn't expecting. Uh, the whole prison sequence was was wonderful. I absolutely adored that <laughs> that part of the movie. It and, was a lot of yeah, with the action scenes too. It was like most yeah. of the movie <laughs> was in prison. I had yeah. no idea I was going to do that. Yeah, it was totally unexpected, like the way the story turned that way. Yeah, like I was not expecting a blending. Sorry, Brendan Gleeson. Oh yeah, to he was fun coming to the movie. I was really pleased about that because he he's like the antithesis to Paddington. Paddington's like a an optimist, and he mm. was the pessimist. So mm-hmm. watching him come around was fun. There were a billion cameos. Oh, it's insane. Yeah, just every English actor you can think of, basically, is somewhere in one of these movies. In terms of, like, uh, improving upon the original, I feel like Hugh Grant, his character being an actor, is probably, like, the only way they could have improved on the original, because, like, you want to keep the -the over-the-top nature, but you don't want to just do the same villain again, right? Yeah. You don't want to just be like, I'm over-the-top because I'm a villain. It's like, oh, he's, like, eccentric and theatrical because he's just got a big ego and nobody cares about his dumb musical yeah, shit. Yeah, he's got a bunch of different disguises. Yeah. <laughs> he could do magic. It's he can so like funny, disappear yeah. in a puff of smoke. <laughs> like, I guess he's like an entertainer. He's like Hitman, isn't he? The way he's like putting on yeah. costumes and sneaking into places. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it was funny really when funny. he was like in the room of like all his different disguises and he was talking to them. The master of disguise. Yeah, that was a little... I'm like, man, this guy's a freak. But yeah, he was, yeah. He was quite good he was at the movie. a funny villain. Yeah. I like them. Yeah, it was a funny video. Yeah. Yeah, the line actors are the most devious people on the planet, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and all yeah. these actors <laughs> saying that. it, and I, it's just kind of meta. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it got some good chuckles out of me in the movie. The dog yeah. food commercial's funny, too. Like, that was, it's, I'm like, disturbing. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, anti humor almost. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it worked. When that hairdresser scene started, because Paddington gets a job <laughs> being a hairdresser. Mm-hmm. I was I was kind of expecting it more to be, you know, one of the throwaway slapstick moments, but as I mentioned earlier, it ends with him messing up the haircut and it being a yeah. whole gag and that was like then, a Mr. Bean skit. That was totally like it, I mean it literally was. Bean there was a Mr. Bean hairdresser one <laughs> where he like accidentally shaves off and tries to like put it back on. But that's what it was going for, yeah. yeah. Very Al- almost almost a little too similar if you ask me. <laughs> um well no, because they wanted to but... focus on that comedy beat because it's very funny, yeah. And it's so different, the fact the absurdity of a bear, like he's like wrapped up in the wire and the the vocal performance with him going like this is very yeah. comical. Uh-huh. The the way they ended it with him licking the hairy marmalade off of that old man's <laughs> bald yeah. spot, it, it hit the gross out quota at probably the same interval in the film <laughs> as the first movie. I was yeah. like, oh, yeah. this is like kind of the same beat. Like I'm really grossed out right now. 
Okay, you did it again. <laughs> yeah, like you said, it was an improvement. There's a lot of the same beats, but they're improved. Like, I like the villain way better this time. I thought Hugh Grant's yeah, yeah. like a much funnier villain. Uh, yeah, with the visually, it's better. The action's better. A, a lot of ways, yeah. I love the whole prison bit, yeah, because I totally didn't see that coming. From like, I didn't expect Paddington to go to mm -hmm. prison, and, <laughs> and they they kept it light even then. There's a lot in this movie that they follow up on. You know, even even the playing with the steam engine model train thing at the beginning is incorporated yeah. later. Mm -hmm. The train right. thing, right? He's operating a real train. Maybe I'm just not remembering. Did they ever do anything with the the J Dog thing? Like the like I'm going by J Dog now. He just had a silly costume at one point when they're going to the carnival. Like it looked like it, some Tim and Eric shit with the stupid glasses and T-shirt. But that was never really used for anything, was it? Yeah, there's the uh, he gets that really funny line at the end. What was it? He says, I'm not J-Dog, and I love steam trains. Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah, it's a part of his, like, character realization. Okay, yeah. The delivery of it is funny. Yeah. yeah. I must have forgotten I, that. I really like that moment. I thought that was a funny line. Okay, good. Yeah, there's some uh, there's some good lines in this. There's uh, gr grievous barberly harm I found funny when uh, he was yeah. being read his sentence. Yeah, that was great. Um <laughs> <laughs> the moment where Brendan Gleeson literally this like this disturbing shot of like POV you're in a prison and you were just woken up by a big <laughs> a big large man <laughs> that's like <laughs> threatening and he says wakey wakey it's marmalade time it's like holy shit this is like this is supposed to be a play on like prison rape <laughs> in this kids movie right <laughs> like that's what they were going for right i don't know because that's what it seemed like it seemed like it literally seemed like wakey wakey like it's it 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 definitely took the absurdity to the max, but that's what makes it work so well. That just the comical nature of him accidentally like tying dying all of the like the outfits pink oh, yeah. and them all being pissed at him, and then when he makes the marmalade and just wins them all over, it's, they're dancing. It's just so childlike and funny. Yeah, holding hands in a circle. I love that. These fucking pink. <laughs> and like at the end, when even the there's there's payoffs like in the credit sequence with the Hugh Grant like doing his uh, musical number and stuff with the <laughs> and making the prison look cool. Oh yeah. That's fun. <laughs> like nice. <laughs> with like flowers and stuff. I think that the only the only jokes that did age and they were in the first movie and in this film were kind of just like the haha it's a man dressed as a woman thing. It was like, uh like I don't it's just Oh yeah, it's yeah. Not even I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Is that really that funny? It's just like kind of boring. Yeah, yeah, I felt mm -hmm. it was weirder in the first movie. It was definitely more of a focus. <laughs> yeah, there's some plot holes. Yeah, I mean they they wouldn't they shouldn't have arrested him. <laughs> there were like logical things I noticed that I'm like they're like don't matter the at all. The whole plot of the movie, like he didn't have the property that he claimed he stole. They never recovered anything like that. Exactly. The person who owns the business didn't believe he did it, so it's like who I don't know. Can you really can you really charge someone with theft if the person? If the person who was stolen from isn't even agreeing that that, you know, yeah. it's not like a murder his, charge. His trial seemed very quick and it was pretty unfair. 
Yeah. Yeah, the, the gag was the judge just didn't like him. Yeah, yeah, yeah I guess yeah. so. But, I mean, like, he shouldn't have even gotten to the judge. Yeah, he might have had there some was no rights, property. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> also, like, the opening, right? What, which I do like, because it sets up him that he becomes, like, a window washer. Remember, he writes Paddington on the window of, like, the opening of the movie. Mm-hmm. But then yeah. he writes two. I'm like, okay, so how does he know it's Paddington 2? Like, what? how does his character <laughs> know that he's in Paddington 2? But it was a backwards two. For him, it wasn't a two. It was just a... A Z or a, I don't know, like a. No, it's the same way, isn't it? Um, he was. Plot he wasn't even. <laughs> I don't know if he was trying to make a number. He was just just drawing whatever interpretable thing. You know, it was just a symbol uh, that he was just wiping yeah. the window. But yeah, that is kind of funny that that kind of gets reincorporated into his window washing thing, which yeah. I guess is the one moment where I would kind of have to disagree with. Like the there are no, you know, dumb kind of. Uh, meme moments or anything i don't know the the whole window washing with like his whole like button stuff was kind of like eh. it seems like it would belong in like one of those shitty movies you know yeah it teetered for me but again i like the execution and the reincorporation at the end where he uses the ladder that he was washing with on the in the train action sequence oh that's what that was yeah where did he get that he brought it with him i guess so don't you remember early on there's a scene where he has his briefcase and he this ladder kind of extends out of it and he and he cleans the whole like the whole streets of London and there's the guy with the dirty windows. I didn't I didn't catch that. I I remember there being a ladder that he used to window clean with. I didn't remember. Yeah, it was like a special gizmo gadget huh. ladder that like assembles. Uh, no, itself. I didn't catch the yeah. gizmo nature of it early on. Didn't realize that was also a reincorporation. I thought that that was just some like random, uh, you know, circus uh, ladder that he found on the circus train. It, it, the reincorporation goes so deep. Even that coin in the ear. Oh yeah, I love that. Like, it comes back. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so thoughtful the way they they assembled it. I think the structure is very yeah. good. And I like how it's used for the phone call too. Like it's actually influencing the plot, and yeah. it's not a mm-hmm. reincorporation that feels like super cheap because by that point it had already been kind of reincorporated once already. So you're not expecting it to actually be used in a useful way, especially that much later in the film. Mm. Yeah. And the ending. Uh, I love the ending. I think it's perfect for mm-hmm. the story. It's it, yeah. it's, it, well, it's not even a surprise that it's happening. It's just the perfect ending. It just needed to happen in the story and just the execution of it. Man, it made the tears roll for me, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> connects me yeah it, it had a good punch to it and it ended right there like it was a great emotional... yeah I was so glad it didn't linger it's just like uh-huh. yeah that's the end that's it was a great emotional beat to end on it was very cute yeah yeah I, th- I think that the emotional beats were done better in this film it felt more logical yeah. to get to those moments you know like oh no we missed the visiting hour sort of thing it's like oh okay yeah like you're obviously preoccupied trying to get you know for him to you're trying to get him out of prison, and that would be a, a logical reason for him to be sad at that moment. They reincorporate yeah, the whole, yeah. like, you know, in the first movie, he was just, like, out in the rain in, you know, fetal position, and now he's, like, in the jail cell. It's, like, the same thing, the same beat, but it felt a bit mm-hmm. more natural in this film. wasn't expecting to hear the words botty cheek, either. Hearing <laughs> Hugh Grant say that was quite strange. Yeah. The buns Oh, joke. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I got a question for you. Is it actually called pocket picketing in Britain? Pickpocketing. Well, they said pocket picketing in the first movie. Pickpocket is oh. what makes sense. But in the first movie, they definitely said pocket picketing. 
And I was wondering if that was a British thing or if that was just a quirky thing. Um, I, I haven't quirky heard thing. that before, but the last time I was the the official word on British things, I, I let mm. down the side, so I don't even know what to say anymore. Yeah, it was like the, the <laughs> kooky store owner who said it, so I don't know. But yeah, it's funny, the vigilante side of Paddington made me laugh, where he's like accidentally uh, taking down the pickpocket oh, with yeah. his super hands from... Uh, peep show mm-hmm. it's very funny yeah um, does he accidentally save the day in the second movie no but he's a vigilante he's, he's like a uh, sheriff on the dog chasing the uh, oh yeah that the criminal <laughs> the animation's better in the second movie too i would say improvement yeah. in technology yes yeah, 4k in- incredibly crisp <laughs> it looks really movie. good there's a 4k yeah. blu-ray the the version the i watched was 4k on itunes yeah okay nice cool yeah it looked it looked amazing yeah the fur is less patchy there's more polygons. Mm-hmm. And also, like, the the only moment out of both movies that I thought the CG looked kind of bad was in the first movie when he was, like, being uh, smuggled and gets off of the luggage cart near the train platform. And the, the way the bag looks, it's just like, ah, it just looks so bad. Yeah, yeah, I noticed just mm-hmm. a couple of times. Yeah, largely the visual effects stuff is pretty impeccable to me. Just the execution of it and the yeah the dedication to really grounding the character and giving him a lot to work with. He's he, in a weird way he's kind of like Indiana Jones when you boil him down to like Indy's like about his whip and Paddington's. There's even an Indiana Jones reference in the first Paddington because yeah. with his hat and he's he's all about his uh, marmalade and mm-hmm. it's all very simple. Yeah, and he's very he's like pure and represents a, a goodness. It is funny that they. Uh... In both films, kind of like, it's almost like propaganda how much they try to play up the nutritional value of marmalade. They're like, one marmalade sandwich has enough vitamins and nutrients for a bear for the whole day. It's like, oh, fucking big marmalade (laughs) lobbyists in here. Like, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) They sneak in that line there, don't they? Oh, yeah. It's a bear, not a kid. Only for bears. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Still. (laughs) Do you guys enjoy a dash of marmalade now and again? I had some I've never had marmalade. for the first time, like within you the past year. You don't have marmalade. <laughs> I mean, anyone can make it. It's really easy to make, but I don't know how easy it is to buy if I were to buy it off the shelf or something. But is it my like aunt honey? sent me some. No, it's like um, you take fruit, like oranges, just a bunch of orange juice. You cut up the oranges into mm-hmm. like really small slices or whatever. A bit of water, a bunch of sugar, boil it, oh. and it's like almost jam but it's not it's like it's sweet yeah but it's also kind of tangy because you got the orange peels in there still and you can eat the orange like the whole parts of the orange peel and all in there once it's done and settled because it's kind of like almost like a gelatin like it's soaked it like it's not difficult yeah, to, it's like yeah. jelly yeah. yeah it's like a it's like a <laughs> yeah. spread kind of it's yeah sweet it looks good it's good <laughs> one day just for paddington I'll would try. recommend it's really easy to make <laughs> sure so sure yeah, they can be delicious. Lots of good family recipes. Mm-hmm. Marmalade. Because that's that's a, a gag in the movie in the prison where they want they ask for pudding and then they use their like family recipes to, to cook up pudding. Oh, yeah. It's just so so silly. It's so funny. It is weirdly dark that at the end of the film, like Paddington basically accepted his death by drowning. You know, like, he has that moment where he's like, "No, this but is what it." What else could he have done? He's tried his best. There are many dark scenes. It's a lot of dark moments. Like when he gets arrested, yeah, the whole prison thing. But the way it's presented visually, it's fun. Like the pink suits make the scene funny and 
like that whole prison bit. It was it did remind me a lot of the Wes Anderson uh yeah, I was like say. Grand Budapest especially. Mm-hmm. Like cuz yeah. there is a whole prison break sequence I in I love that. the miniature uh the miniature shots in both films. Yeah. It's just yeah. Did, it did remind me of that a lot. Definitely maybe a homage, you know. You could say it's ho- yeah, an it, homage. It so. really felt like watching a storybook with the you know the vibrant contrasting yeah. colors and, yeah. and and the framing of everything and yeah, just the way that the movie kind of works. Well, I'm glad you mentioned this the storybook scene where like he's going through his storybook, the pop-up, the book. pop-up with his aunt. Yeah, of course. That's one of my the one of the highlights of the film for me. I thought that whole sequence was great. The 2D animation coming in as well in this one. I yeah, when they were that. showing like the crime, like what could have happened, or, like, yeah, what that what the testimony was versus what actually happened. Yeah, that was really awesome. The the different like it was always visually like there was a lot of variety visually. It was always interesting. Very visually stimulating, yeah. Even if you're not invested in like the emotions or the anything characters, like visually it is so strong. They put so much thought and work into it. It's so perfectly done in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't you really can't take away from like the craft of the movie. Like it's just so well made. Yeah. Great music. Both films. Good music. Didn't yeah. feel like inappropriate. Wasn't annoying. Yeah, never distracting. Yeah. yeah. Lots of cameos. There was mm-hmm. uh, Richard Richard Ayoadi. I, I've never learned how to pronounce his last name. The forensic investigator. Mm-hmm. Jessica Hines, which oh, yeah. I'm only mentioning because I still don't know if... Have either of you seen Spaced? I think I asked this a long time ago and neither of you did. Uh, I've seen a few episodes... I can't remember it. I, I've got oh, to go man. back. It's, it's really one of fun. my egregious. So this is just a reminder to watch Spaced. Edgar Wright, Jessica Hines, Simon Pegg, Nick Frost. It's great. All right. Yeah, I'm pretty much done talking about this. I think we got it. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I think the... we got it. Yeah, I mean, I, I really liked it. They're simple and they're just so clean. Mm-hmm. Like this, this, they're clean visually. The, the writing's clean. They're witty. The emotional resonance from the second one really got me going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just really enjoyed it, connecting with this character who I'd previously never cared about, and I, I kind of get the Paddington hype now. I can, <laughs> I, I appreciate the character and what he stands for, and it, there's definitely a charm about him, and it's the kind of Britishness that I appreciate. It's it, the second one, especially. Oh, bother. Yeah, the, the second one especially <laughs> made a bit more of an effort to kind of show the the mixing pot of london and all the the people on the street coming together to like help each other you know this 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 homely theme of everyone working together and being nice and if everyone was just nice to each other there's that there's that rhyme that sally hawkins sally hawkins sorry yeah has about being nice and yeah it's just it's very pure and totally appropriate and incredibly well made i i would give paddington to a a four star probably. Bam. <laughs> I I'd rate it about the same as the other one, even though like I think there are significant improvements made in this one. And like visually it's so strong. The technical parts of it are so strong. As a film, I think it's really well done. Uh yeah. So like yeah, seven out of ten. Like three and a half out of five. Pretty much with you. Uh seven out of ten. It's a high seven. We'll see if that changes at any point. A lot of fun. A lot of good moments. I had genuine laughs from both films, which is more than I can say about a lot of kids' movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. Child actors didn't annoy me. It does really stand out. Yeah, smiling a lot. Yeah. yeah. Very inoffensive and just very pleasant. A pleasant viewing experience. Put that on the DVD and give me Paddington 3. <laughs> Definitely recommend that as a family film. Yeah. Like, you watch that, that's a safe bet. Bet you'd all like it. Yeah. And I think they're planning a third one. Are they? I wonder if they're going to pull it together. Yeah, you should do it. Yeah, it has been a while. They did announce it after uh, Let's see. Paddington 2. Officially in the works as of February of this year, it says, is this uh, Variety.com article. I'm hoping Paul King's attached. Because they, we didn't really mention the budget, because the budget on Paddington 2 is estimated to be about $40 million. Yeah. It's like lower than the first one, if Google is accurate. Yeah. Well, there was a piece of trivia that was describing the first Paddington as an independent movie, and I wasn't really sure what they meant by that. Independently funded, I guess. I mean, you can have like a technically independent movie. Yeah, but it's still like 55 million. <laughs> yeah. Like the most expensive independent movie ever made was like Luc Besson's fucking stupid Dane DeHaan space French. Th- like, I don't know what the fuck he was doing. Mm. Oh, oh, Valerian. <laughs> Valerian, yeah. Like, that's like, that's an independent movie, apparently. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. It's, just, it's just not what you think of when you think indie movie, I know. But... No. <laughs> I don't really think of Paddington in that way either. Yeah, but... Independently funded with producers, just not a studio. That is interesting, actually, that the, the budget is lower on that second one, if the estimations are correct. Yeah. The second one, I think, is, is, is more impressive visually. And, mm-hmm. you know, just any, anything technical. Yeah, I guess there were less sets, probably. A lot of it was in the prison. I suppose. Uh, maybe the CG was a bit cheaper. Probably. I mean, like, yeah, improved CG, you know, like the te- technology is just better. So might not have cost as much to make. They might have just... Uh, they just outsource it for dirt cheap anyway, don't they? Yeah, just uh, pay the animators less. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. <laughs> Give half the budget to the actors, and there you go. Yeah. And it was a success. Hopefully number three is good. Okay, let's head over to the suggestion thread in the Sardonicast subreddit. Head over there if you want to leave any question for us. CC Buddy Rider is going to start us off. I have a friend that listens to his favorite movies in the car as if they were audiobooks. I thought that was Mm. strange, but then I listened to (laughs) Naked on a long drive and actually really enjoyed it. My question is, what movies would work well as audiobooks? <laughs> That's uh, the Before Trilogy. Super weird. I've never heard of anyone doing this before. Just talking. The what trilogy, sorry? The Before Trilogy, yeah. Can't do a foreign movie. Yeah, any dialogue yeah, heavy. Anything based on a play. I was thinking 12 Angry Men. Yeah, you could do Doubt. Mm-hmm. Doubt. Yeah, right. that's based off of a play. Yeah, 12 Angry Men's a good example, you're right. Yeah, dialogue heavy movies. Full 8. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> nothing with subtitles. You'll crash. Yeah, not a lot, nothing. You can't do anything foreign unless you speak that language. You could just listen to like an audiobook too, you know, right? Yeah, you could do that. Or you could listen to the subtitled version. Of the... <laughs> it's definitely not the ideal way. Or like, oh, the, I mean the dubbed version. That's what I meant to say. Listen to the described video for the visually impaired version. If it's a big movie, <laughs> they'll have that. Yeah. It's in the Star Wars movies. Yeah, I think you nailed it with the uh, the play stuff. That's the only way I can imagine oh. this being a valuable experience. Does Tenet have yeah. described video for the visually impaired? Because if I had some, oh. if I if literally oh there God. was like a studio mandated individual 
that was explaining what the fuck was going on in that movie the entire time, I think I would love to watch whatever version of the movie that is. I got to check to see if the Blu-ray has that. Holy shit. Yeah, that would be funny. Oh, my God. I got to watch that. What is it called? Like Describe the the video for the visually impaired blind people movie. (laughs) Okay. I'll, I'll see if they got it. You could listen to podcasts while you're driving. Yeah. <laughs> and then you watch the movie after when you can actually have your eyes on it because it's a visual medium. Yeah. My brother was doing some stupid <laughs> shit like that at one point. He's just fucking oh, walking, really? watching. Just he like, to he like hacked his like driver's display or something so that he could watch Entourage while he was driving on the highway. I was like, what? <laughs> He's changed. <laughs> watch Entourage on the highway. Yeah. <laughs> you could watch Crash. GGG375 as one. What's the most try-hard performance of all time? Someone who swung for the fence and failed miserably. <laughs> Jared Leto's Joker. Yeah, you said it. Did he really swing? Though. I think he swung. I don't know. I think he believes he did. I guess what's the difference at that point? Yeah, he clearly tried right he was trying his best but it seemed more like an ego trip than a genuine like performance thing yeah that's why it didn't work and it's so embarrassing yeah like i don't know if he really (laughs) tried i think that there's like parts of his psyche that didn't try you know (laughs) yeah i don't know how how much do you blame jared leto for that mess that is like suicide squad yeah that's the thing because like he wouldn't have been in charge of choosing that like costume designers because that it started with that really the moment that was tweeted that joker was tweeted it was over for every the damage it, it really it's damaged just... the character yes <laughs> that was a huge warning sign that something was not right red flag mm-hmm. eddie redmayne in jupiter ascending is a good example i think ah uh, yeah because he definitely <laughs> tries in that he definitely gives it his all. Yeah, he's yelling. <laughs> he's not underacted. He probably did exactly what the Wachowskis act asked for. It just uh, did not work very well. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, he was giving it 150 percent, wasn't yeah. he? Lots of screaming. Would definitely recommend that movie. It's really funny. It gets funnier as it goes along. Um, the more we see of him screaming, the funnier the movie is, and he screams more as the movie goes along. You could say the exact same thing, actually, about uh, Tobey Maguire in the film Brothers. That's another good example that gets funnier (laughs) as it goes along because he screams more as the movie progresses. He tries. I think he even got a Golden Globe nomination, but I think he kind of sucked in the movie. It was pretty funny and stupid. Yeah, Yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen it, so I can't really remember. Yeah, I've got the... um, I forget which country. I think it's Scandinavian. There's like an original brothers movie <laughs> that it's apparently a remake and so i kind of want to see what the original was oh. like yeah i'd say that about the new capone movie with tom hardy i think he's a good <laughs> yeah. actor but that that really didn't yeah like that fell off hard like, very weak it almost has the reputation of Gotti at this point it's not quite as bad but yeah like he's just not that great in it he's trying really hard he's supposed mm-hmm. to be older too yeah um, Gotti's one i suppose <laughs> yeah I don't think he was trying at all. Because, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, if, if, if yeah. trying is... Uh... Yeah, like putting on his cologne. <laughs> the ultimate one to me is Jared Leto's Joker. It... Yeah, I like, just I can't, can't think of anyone think else. Of anything you know? beyond. Exactly. Nothing on that level, anyway. At least for a while. Like, that's the most recent example of, like, a huge performance that just... Like, mm-hmm. no one felt... Fo- like, that was bad. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's it. That's all I could think of. All right, next. Oh my god. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry before you said I was just that I, I was I was trying to search this entire time just to see if Tenet had described video. There's like a uh, American Council of the Blind <laughs> website that has a whole list of them, and it seems like Tenet is on there. So I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to snag a copy of that. Good. Okay. Um, so I have the Blu-ray ready. Yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna have it to says look. DVD, iTunes, and Prime Video. I'm gonna have to look at that right now, right after this. You'll have to let me know if it's funny. Yeah. Please confirm that for me. I I will buy it. Uh huh. For that. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely buy it tonight. I'll 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 check it. What are they gonna say? <laughs> How nine billion has one for us. Since Adam has apparently not seen a lot of movies, many consider childhood classics, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Back to the Future, etc., in his actual childhood. What are some of the movies you grew up with? Parenthesis, the question is for everyone. Obviously, The Lion King. I watched Terminator when I was really young for some reason. Die Hard. (laughs) I guess, like, yeah, among the... I don't know, Jurassic Park, yeah... That shit gave me nightmares. <laughs> I think of like the yeah, Richie Rich. That was a bad movie. Fucking any other kids' movies like Lion King, Pocahontas. You know, I don't know random Disney movies, but there were ones that kind of stuck with me a bit more. There was ones that um, it was called like the the Princess and the Goblin. It's not that popular, and I rewatched it again as an adult before making my childhood trauma uh, series mm-hmm. thing. Because I remember being like a bit scared at some of the scenes there. It didn't wind up making it into the video. But when I watched the movie again as an adult, I was like, wow, this is actually kind of surprisingly competent. It actually wasn't that bad of a movie for, you know, a dumb kids animated thing. Yeah, I don't know. There's um, trying to think of some that really stuck with me. I I guess a lot of them are repressed. I don't know. (laughs) But like, I guess if we're going into like the genre of like Indiana Jones, Star Wars you know, Back to the Future, like these gigantic trilogies and stuff. Like, I don't know. It depends on what age, because I grew up with Lord of the Rings. I grew up with Spider-Man. I wasn't like... Matrix? Yeah, Matrix. Like, those. yeah, those were the things that I kind of grew up with. Like, I was still not like a, a baby. I, w- I wasn't like a really young kid when those came out. I don't know if there was like a big, you know, everybody seeing it trilogy sort of thing that I was super into or exposed to when i was really young i don't know what age people are asking about really so yeah i'd I'd say you answered it yeah there we go yeah i mean for me it is star wars indiana jones i did love back to the future um i loved the incredibles iron giant oh what else we took love wallace and gromit yeah stop motion (laughs) nightmare before christmas so I mean, you you were both younger than me, and so for both of you to be exposed to those like '80s trilogies, it must have just been because your parents enjoyed them and showed them to you, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. My dad showed me Star Wars and Indiana Jones because my dad doesn't like Star Wars, so it never <laughs> it never happened. <laughs> there you go. Right? So I don't know. Yeah. He's probably just didn't like those same things. The Phantom Menace would have been the first film. Um, I went to the cinema for, but wow. on the like adverts beforehand, they um they showed <laughs> footage from ET, and I had like the childhood trauma <laughs> from ET, so like I I started freaking out, and that's my funny. dad had to like take me out because I, so, <laughs> I was only a little kid. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. <laughs> I was like six years old, so I missed out on the best movie ever, man. I got the episode one Phantom Menace as a VHS for my birthday from my uncle. But I was so young at the time, and I kind of feel bad about it. But I was like, I don't like Star Wars. 
<laughs> what you don't like Star Wars? Because it's like everybody's supposed to like Star Wars. I don't like Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, we're cool. What about you, Ralph? Uh, I don't know. Like all the same shit. Star Wars. I, I grew up with Pixar a lot, so I would say mostly Pixar. Like I grew up with that stuff mm. as they came out yeah. too. Yeah. Um, Star Wars and that stuff. I I learned from my friends, and you know, I got it from my friends yeah. and that kind of stuff. Well, of course, the prequels were coming out when uh, I was a kid, so I was into those. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I watched those. I'm like, oh, yeah, these are fun, because my, my brain couldn't process that they were terrible, you know? <laughs> I was yeah. old enough yeah. when the prequels were coming out, out, but still a kid. I still have memories of, like, the marketing of it and the way people reacted to it. Oh, so do I. Oh, yeah. And I remember, like, fucking little kids in school were like, oh, Yoda's doing flips now. <laughs> it's like it was actually working. Like, but now it's like, oh, it's kind of fucking stupid. But <laughs> well, no, it's spinning background now. Like, oh, it was like the coolest thing ever. Like they turned it up. He's like, he can do flips. You actually see him fighting. But it's like I don't know. Kind of, it's not great for the character now. But <laughs> Goosey McGooseface Two has one for us. Do you think that there is snobbery in the cinephile community? What is the best way yes. to curb it? <laughs> Absolutely, there is. <laughs> Have you ever like just look on like letterbox like reviews and like go into the comments? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's it's one thing to be confident in your own perspectives and opinions, and uh, you know, argue to the to the death over your own justification for how you feel about a film. It's another thing to get worked up over somebody else not sharing the same experience that you did. Yeah, it's the discourse that ruins it. And uh, I think I think the more people that understand that over time, the less toxic film discussion will be. Because there's genuinely, yeah. unironically, people saying like, oh, your perspective is wrong, you know, based off of like, mm-hmm. Literally just an emotional experience. Literally just a number with no context. You know, like a five out of ten rating. Yeah, yeah and people get <laughs> they forget that people are in different points of their their tastes in terms. Of, there's so, there's so many different ways to absorb something like film. It's so broad. It's pointless to start grouping people and mocking people for certain things for like you know. It's categorized as like the 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 first film fans like their favorite movies like Fight Club and they got the Pulp Fiction poster and stuff and it's it's just silly like it's not the way consuming yeah, exactly. art works it's pointless to go uh-huh. down to to that kind of level because everyone's on a different playing field <laughs> everyone's experience is different I don't know what the best way to curb it is I <laughs> I don't think it's possible on online really. The best way to curb it is to make it really uncool to to be one of those people. The best way to curb it is to get enough people being like, "Whoa, you just said that? That's fucking cringe, bro." That's that's how a lot of things go. Is yeah, like, but I mean, we've been doing that for years, but like, it's not stopping people. I don't no, know. They just make you know, they just make some fucking random account and do it anyway. <laughs> it's not you can't possibly stop a certain way of thinking globally for every person, right? Yeah. But you can you can make it so that they're not as like bold emboldened about it and you know, thinking that it's not like yeah. a stupid thing to say, I guess. Yeah. And I mean like the best way you can do that is just within your own community. 
there used to be a lot of people on my gaming channel videos that would be like, you're playing the game wrong because you're not doing this in the right order and you're not doing like I would just fuck around and be like, haha, this is fun. I want to do this. You know, like you're ruining the immersion. And I'm like, fuck off. I'm playing a game. Right. And so I addressed <laughs> it enough times in my gaming channel that now it's kind of a meme. And because it's kind of a meme now, there are, you know, if anybody unironically tries to make that argument in the comments sections, they're downvoted and you know other people will be like oh god it's like the meme came true right you just make it uncool <laughs> yeah. and then all of a sudden people are like oh i guess this is kind of stupid <laughs> you know if you if you address it <laughs> enough times then eventually uh i guess in your own communities then you can uh help help shape the way that uh people uh, are critical about their own thoughts and about their own perspectives or what they might want to add to the discussion or i think that any way you can get people to be more introspective about their own thought processes is always a good thing. And that involves yourself as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't know how to really broach it, to be honest. It seems so broad, like that everyone likes movies and everyone has a, an opinion on movies. You can find any community like the, that you want for like any film group thing. You know, it's just the way we work. Uh, I do agree, though. Yeah, you can, I suppose, uh, directly address it in your own community. But I, I, I guess I just mean broadly. I'm not sure. <laughs> there is no solution broadly. But the internet's like for arguing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not a thing. <laughs> right. Yeah, you just yeah. you have to be comfortable with the fact that other people exist. Really. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's end on this one from Pilot to City Bro. Sardis, 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 Sardis. Do you think Snyder's impact could actually cheapen the power of the director, considering his auteur antics, changing the aspect ratio to 4-3, releasing a cut that is black and white, are just tacked on for no real reason? Since these elements have been used heavily in the advertising of the film, I'm worried that other studios are going to similarly stick on random gimmicks to their movies in post. Films like The Lighthouse or Bates, which actually use the filmmaking techniques of the past to the service of the story could yeah. be totally swamped by random wannabes that are just trying to ape Snide's Snyder cast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Snides. There's, there's some like truth that. to that, but it doesn't really matter, does it? Yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's a pattern in the industry. I mean, like, the, the 4 by 3 aspect ratio is just as arbitrary as, you know, any other aspect ratio. I guess... One fits your TV better. Most people have widescreen TVs, but uh, I don't know. It's like a creative choice. Yeah, I, I didn't see any benefit to the superhero genre having four by three like that. I wanted to see more of the screen. That's for sure. I don't know how many studios are actually yeah. going to do that, though. We'll see. Is it like is it such a massive financial success? Uh, Snyder Cut? That's what I want to know. I don't think so. People are talking about it, but there are no box office numbers to like reflect it. Because it's all on a streaming platform, so you never know. Would people have seen it if it was in theaters? I don't know. Wasn't it in theaters also? Wasn't it dual? Was or it? was it just exclusively on HBO Max? I don't know. I thought it just came out HBO Max. I mean, if it was in theaters, that's cool. I think they want to do like an IMAX run at some point, but... Yeah. It's fucking... Uh, get it in some film festivals. In our discussion, we barely even mentioned the aspect ratio. <laughs> Screen it in can. Yeah, because it's pointless. Yeah, it's pointless. <laughs> yeah, it's just the fear with any when anything kind of booms into success out of nowhere, the copycats are inevitable. 
you know, we're seeing it with video game movies now. I, ju- I just heard today Ghost of Tsushima's getting a movie, Sniper Elite oh, really? or something's yeah. getting a movie. Yeah. yeah, they're really, like, jumping on that now. So uh... I don't think that the experience of The Lighthouse is going to be cheapened by other movies deciding to be 4 by 3 Perhaps other people that don't really think about why a choice is made for a film will conflate the two of them and be like, oh, it's just the same thing. I don't care about those people. They're not gonna they're not gonna influence my opinion over a film. Yeah. It's not gonna change how I feel about the movie. They can believe whatever they want. It doesn't matter. So Bang on. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Thank you did it. for the questions. <laughs> now I can eat uh, some marmalade. It's time for a film recommendation and the recommendation is actually coming from a guest that is going to be what? on the next episode. And that guest is Shafrellas, what? Uh, oh, yes. Happy one million subs. They wanted to talk about uh, Whiplash. Damien Chazelle. I haven't seen it for a while. Nice. There's a 4K Blu-ray now. Yeah, I'm excited to see what it looks like on 4K. Oh, really? Awesome. Oh, yeah. There yeah. is. I totally gotta get that because yeah, exactly. I don't. I don't own it actually. So. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about uh, Whiplash next time, and also probably Chaos Walking. Because that will be out before the next episode <laughs> in a oh, digital well. form. Okay. Yeah. So okay. I cool. let them know uh, that I'm going to want to talk about Chaos Walking too. They said they'll try to catch it. So. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you awesome. for listening. If you don't want to be spoiled for Whiplash or Chaos Walking, see those films before the next episode of the podcast is out. These episodes come out every two weeks. You can listen to them early by going to sardonicast.com, signing up for premium $2 a month. You'll get them early. Also, patreon.com slash sardonicast. Also, we got merch. You can buy some merch. We live in a society. Yeah, thanks. We do. Have a Snyderific week. Yeah. <laughs> All right, thanks for if listening. If you start watching the Snyder Cut now, <laughs> by the time the next episode comes out, you know, you'll be ready. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.